us having spent the last six months talking about all the Disney cartoons in chronological order, we could have been talking about the Looney Tunes shit. Uh, but yeah, this, gone this, goofed. Yeah, technically this is a week of my picks, and kind of like the, my last pick where I decided to do Victory Through Air Power. I decided to also do like another Disney-related... Well, something related to Disney Through the Decades, and the, and the fact that I figured we're getting close to the end of the 1940s of the Disney stuff. Um, this is something I had meant to do earlier. I kind of, I kind of regret not having done a couple episodes of this before, but just kind of taking a peek to, into the world of Looney Tunes just to see what Looney Tunes uh, were doing, what Warner Brothers was doing with their cartoons, while you know at the same time we we're talking about the Disney stuff, because this is mm. definitely the 1940s and 50s are definitely the heyday of uh, the Looney, Looney Tunes cartoons, and um, <laughs> this is actually one of the best cartoons we're talking about today was actually done in 1942, so we could have been, been doing stuff about the beginning of uh, the 1940s, and still been talking about good cartoons rather than just, like, interesting, like, archaeological, like, oh, it's just, like, look at this because it's interesting, but not because it's entertaining, like, so much of the Disney stuff we've done. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so we decided to pick... I <laughs> So did you ever figure out we, we, there's a, the, I we, I kind of got spoiled with Disney mm. Disney through the decades by having access to Disney Plus. All that shit's just right there. We both have Disney Plus, so mm. we can just go there. I forgot how much harder it is to track to, for for both of us to have access to the same Looney Tunes stuff because I had originally picked a bunch of cartoons on HBO Max. I forgot that you don't have HBO Max. Even though you're subscribed to HBO, that doesn't necessarily... Like, it was so much... There's a whole bunch of kerfuffle. Did you try to log into my... I, I So I gave Daniel my credentials to log into my HBO account. Did you try to log into HBO Max? No. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, so instead um of which actually there's a fuck ton of old looney tunes cartoons on hbo max uh probably more than disney plus has disney shorts actually but since we couldn't share the same resource on that i went through um i have rips of not all but most of the looney tunes dvds and blu-rays that have come Mm -hmm. out in the last like 10 15 years and so i just (laughs) I just randomly looked at, like, the, the late 40s, early 50s, and, like, plucked what looked good in the collection I have, which, again, wasn't everything. It was actually less than what was on HBO Max. And so I picked... Oh, God, let me see. What are the six cartoons I picked? Uh, I didn't also... <laughs> it wasn't until I was finished watching this stuff last night that I realized I think I've picked six... They're, uh, they're all six uh, Chuck Jones cartoons. So yeah. we have... I figured that might have been intentional. No, 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 not at all. It's just the cartoons that I thought that were the fun. I mean, it's almost like Chuck Jones has a justified reputation for being the best Looney Tunes director. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, today we're talking about the Dover Boys of Pimento University, also known as the rivals of Roquefort Hall. Um, mm -hmm. Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century. Uh, Feed the Kitty, which I didn't know what that was until I clicked that. I was like, oh, it's that cartoon. And mm -hmm. one of the other two. Uh, Rabbits of Seville, which a lot of people confuse with What's Up, Doc, but we'll get to that. You mean What's Opera, Doc? Oh, is that what? Yeah, okay, yeah. And Duckamook and Fast and the Furious, which is the first, mm -hmm. um... What are the two dudes? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, it's again, it's early Sunday morning. My brain's not working. I need to slip a slipper coat. Uh, the itching scratch. Vin guys. Diesel and... <laughs> coyote! Co co Roadrunner and Coyote. Coyote and Roadrunner. Jesus yeah. Christ. Wiley Coyote. Um, which is funny because I didn't realize Wiley Coyote and, and Roadrunner hadn't been created this quote-unquote late. Uh, this uh, The first the Fast and the Furious cartoon was created in 1948, which is like just a year after Fun and... Oh my god! It doesn't help that the last Disney thing... I need... I'm gonna take a little sip here, because I need some energy. <laughs> ah, delicious cold Coke. Um, it doesn't help that the last Disney thing we just covered last week was... Uh, Fun and Fancy Free, which is another terrible package feature from Disney, where they're just, like, slamming whatever they had lying around together to make a movie out of. And the two features in Fan Fun and Fancy Free had both begun development in, like, 1940. So by the time Fun and Fancy Free came out in 1947, that shit already felt way older than it had to. And so that shit feels like artificially even older compared to these Looney Tunes cartoons than, than it even had to. And you're completely justified in mentioning how this episode's going to be all of us about talking about how much funnier these cartoons than anything Disney did. Because it's fucking true. Like, it's like yeah. the Warner Brothers guys, they knew what they were talking about. Thumbs up to the termite termos. But they were fun. Aww. So what do you have to say Aww. about this stuff? I grew up watching it. I <laughs> okay, mean, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming most people listening you, to this. What, what was what was your uh, show in uh, your neck of the woods that ran this stuff? Because every well, every channel, every every not every channel, every what was uh, it? big city had their own in Portland. It was Ramblin' Rod. Yeah. See, that's I think that's more of a regional. Well, I mean, obviously it's a regional thing because you're talking about specific cities. I did not. What, what, like, what was it? ABC in the 1980s just had like this, the the, I think it was just Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner Hour every Saturday morning. Mm. And let's see, Bugs Bunny Show. And that's and I'm trying to even think because when I was like a little kid, um, Basic Cable didn't really start showing a lot of cartoons until maybe towards the late 80s. Like Cartoon Network wasn't a thing until I was already like old and moved out of my parents' house, so I didn't even get to see a lot of that stuff. Um, the Bugs Bunny show? Let's see when the Bugs Bunny show was. Um, it doesn't have beers on this. Um, Son of a biscuit. This is, oh yeah, because it's the Bugs, oh yeah, it was the Bugs Bunny show. Um, well, oh god, they retitled the show like a, a dozen, half a dozen different things. But it's the, do you ever remember seeing a show on national television where it's Bugs Bunny and da uh, Daffy Duck coming out? It was kind of like the, the, the Muppet show opening. Where they come out like, this is it, light the lights, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, and they're like putting on, they got little canes and stuff like that. It was it was new animation cooked up by Chuck Jones as an intro where they would just say, okay, for the next half hour, hour, we're just going to show all these old Looney Tunes cartoons. That was my real, that's that that's how I, that, yeah, on Saturday morning. But yeah, we didn't have, at least, which is funny because Pittsburgh, when I was a kid, they did have 
late night on WPXI, they had a, like an old horror host. Uh, I've talked about him because he showed up in Night of the Living Dead and stuff. Uh, Chili Billy Cardell. But they didn't have a Saturday morning. There was no like laugh of the Clown or whatever. We didn't have a Crushy the Clown. Or like whatever. Oh, our our rambling run was every day. Oh, every day. And was a was it mm -hmm. an actual guy like live guy introducing cartoons? Yeah, he had a coat with <sighs> buttons all over it because the kids would give him buttons. Oh really, <laughs> man? No, I, I never. I, I that was such a thing I would see in media like Krusty the Clown, where I just assumed that was something that had died out in the 1950s that I didn't realize still was still a thing in some cities no, in he the came 80s after, or 90s. Uh, Oh, man. It came after um, uh, Rusty Nails. That was that that's, was the uh, yeah. That's the guy that uh, influenced uh, Krusty the Clown. Um, and so that was uh, those were new episodes being produced when you were a kid. It's not like you're watching. I think there was also some guy named Bumbo or Bumpo or <laughs> some shit like was. that from the seventies. Of course there was. There was like just a sock on a hand. Uh, if I remember. Oh my goodness, that sounds mildly terrifying, but um. Oh god, yeah, I forgot how they've stopped showing Saturday morning cartoons altogether here because this is. Uh, Wikipedia page about the Bugs Bunny show talks about how Saturday morning cartoons just kind of stopped being a thing in, like, 1996. Oh, and I forgot that because, I guess, uh, t uh, the Turner Network with Cartoon Network bought up the rights to all the Looney Tunes stuff, so that stuff stopped showing on, on broadcast television, got all moved to cable. Um... Bumpity and... <laughs> Bumpity. <laughs> Is there it's a Wikipedia page about what you're talking bumpity. about? Like, what are you looking at to get the, get, get that information? I think of you probably just let's see. Aw. Yeah, that is so man, please write us. Please give us feedback. If you grew <laughs> up in a city that had like a bumpo the clown, rusty nails, crusty, shicks, that is I don't I think he might have just been a kid show. I don't know if he like introduced. I mean Pittsburgh I mean to be fair, Mr I grew up in Pittsburgh and we had Mr. Rogers, which is obviously not the same thing what you're talking about, but we didn't have the kind of the grandstand champion of kids TV ho uh, TV show hosts, but uh but yeah. <laughs> His cart- the, the cartoon shorts that he showed were all bullshit, uh, live action. Here's how tennis shoes are made. I'm going to the tennis shoe factory. I'm going to talk very softly to the leather they're about to turn into tennis shoes. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, yeah, shit, man, I'll have to, like, if you can, like, it, you, you'll have to- Yeah, I'll find some shit. You'll have to text message me the name of the stuff that you're talking about, so maybe I can Google, uh, YouTube- find some of the stuff in YouTube and pull the audio. Maybe I can drop that audio into this episode, because that'd be fantastic. Well, if you just search Bumpity, which is Bump, and then It, and <laughs> well, then Y. Bumpity, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, You'll see just... Bumpity the frog. When we first... He's just a dumb-looking frog <laughs> with one big felt tooth. When we first- Sounds great. A he, he looks frog. like a, 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 oh, a, God. a failed clone of Kermit. Let's like, see. really failed. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, super ghetto. <laughs> like, somebody had five minutes to do a Kermit the Frog knockoff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, my God. Uh, But what the hell was it? Well, when we first started the podcast, we would have our own separate introduction music, depending on who's... Like, if it was something I was going to pick that week, it would be my music. I picked Busca. Uh, the Japanese, like, kids mascot. You picked the cartoon introduction theme for, what, KPTV? The local yeah. Portland cartoon. Uh, was it the theme song for what you're talking about? I can't remember if it was a separate thing for Saturday morning. Oh, God, but yeah. I don't think it was Ramblin' Rod. Ramblin' Rod had his own theme. But you said that, because even the YouTube video that you plucked that audio from was, like, uh, like an introduction for a Looney Tunes cartoon airing on that network, right? Or that local network? Something, something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like the... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay, man. But yeah, fucking Looney Tunes. 
It is. It was such a ubiquitous thing for a couple generations of people, and it's weird to think we're the last generation of people to grow up with, like, Looney Tunes. From birth. As, like, the default cartoon TV thing. Um. Which, I don't want to be that person who's all like, Oh, succeeding generations have lost something by not- Which, I mean, succeeding generations have had access to the same cartoons, they're just on Cartoon Network. And also a million new cartoons on top of that. It's not like the Looney- Looney Tunes have kind of gone away now. I would say in the last decades, because even watching Cartoon Network and stuff these days, like, you never yeah, see Yeah, they came back for a little bit, and it was alright, and I ju they just put out those new ones on HBO. Oh yeah, they're like the new... Man, no one's been able to do good Looney Tunes cartoons that's not, like, Chuck Jones and Mel Blanc, though. I mean, they've been good! You know what the funny thing is? As unfunny as the Disney shorts were compared to the old Looney Tunes shorts back in the golden age of both studios... The Mickey Mouse, the new Mickey Mouse cartoons are probably better than the new Bugs Bunny cartoons. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're still both entertaining. It's not like it's not like the new Bugs Bunny cartoons are terrible or anything like that. In fact, actually, I need to see more of the Bugs Bunny cartoons that launched with HBO Max because that was one of their headline things was like, hey, we got these cartoons. And, and like, it's like yellow gloved Bugs Bunny. It's like the old like Bob Clampett 1930s Bugs Bunny as opposed to like the Chuck Jones 1940s and 50s Bugs Bunny. And uh, I've seen one or two of those cartoons, and they're fine, but I, yeah. But I've left my own devices. If I'm going to sit down and watch a Bugs Bunny cartoon, I don't want to watch him with Gossamer the Giant. Oh, shit! Why didn't I pick that cartoon? That's a good cartoon, too. Gossamer the Big Red Hair. Bill, if you're going to if you're gonna beat yourself over all the funny ones that you didn't pick, That's, you're going to be here Well, the funny time. thing is, like, I'm also, like, there's other cartoons, like, What's Opera Doc? Where I was like, oh, man... I was like, you know what, fuck it, we'll, we'll do this again in a couple months, too. We'll, we'll come in and do, like, a bunch more, like, <laughs> the late 50s Looney Tunes cartoons. But I think it'd be more interesting to do, the, like, the worst-rated one? I don't know how you figure that out, like, what the worst Looney Tunes cartoons are. That's a good are, question, because everyone talks... You know what, I mean, everyone seems to generally agree that, like, the 1960s, uh, yes. where it was the later Chuck Jones, where, like... It was no longer Carl Stalling where, doing where the they music. felt like Pink Panther cartoons. That's exactly it, because yeah, it, there, there's totally kind of a feel to those later ones where it's obviously like even if Chuck Jones was involved in some of that stuff, like the it just feels like the music's different, and even like the like the credits fonts are like yeah, it feels a little bit too. I guess as a kid, it felt a little more modern. Although right now, it just feels like kind of weirdly mid-century. But yeah, and everyone tends to agree that stuff was kind of the. Yeah. <laughs> thing is i was looking at the history because we're talking about fast and the furious uh i was looking up the history of uh, wiley coyote and roadrunner last night and i didn't realize that they started off as a parody of uh tom and jerry and i didn't realize tom and jerry had been a thing i thought tom and jerry was like something that was created in the like the 1950s after this era of stuff that we're talking about no i guess it had been around since like the early 40s or something but uh which cartoon would you like to start with first you want to go dover boys maybe because that's the earliest one yeah, but it's the best one. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's that's. We'll save the dessert for last because that is just the most like, what the hell's wrong with this cartoon? Um, da -da -da. oh, I took the last least amount of notes for Duckamuck just because. What are you gonna say? Duckamuck. Daffy just... Duck gets fucked with. <laughs> I mean, there is no the story to talk about. It's just there. Daffy Duck. Just yeah. It, I. <laughs> you know the funny thing too is like some of these cartoons. Like, I mean, it's an accident, like I said, that they are all Chuck Jones. But also some of the cartoons that we've picked today have so much good Mel Blanc vocal performance. Uh, there's some great bits because... 
uh, there's some great bits in Chuck a Duck, uh, Duck a Muck. Chuck a Duck. Chuck a Fuck a Duck. There's some great bits where, like, because, like, Donald Duck has to be, like, or uh, Daffy Duck is, like, running away from the, 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 the quote-unquote camera and stuff in, in Duck a Muck. Where, like, you can hear, like, Mel Blanc is, like, in the distance. Like, you can, you can hear, like, he's standing far away from the microphone screaming at it from across the room. That, that mm-hmm. vocal effect always makes me laugh in any cartoon. That's why I laugh so hard in, um... Oh god, was it the Simpsons episode where where the Red Hot Chili Peppers show up and Flea yeah. walks in and he goes, Hey Mo he screams, Hey Mo And like, you could totally tell it was like an outtake. Like of him just walking into the recording booth just screaming something, but they decided to keep it in the episode and just the sound yeah, of it I is so funny. Like anytime Mabim Bam, like Griffin starts screaming away <laughs> from the microphone exactly. in the distance. Something about people not being quite on bike and screaming is just that kind of theatricality, it kind of brings an extra element of, like, because, yeah, someone has to throw down their, their headphones and, like, run across the room and scream and come back and, yeah. Like, one of my favorite lines in Duck Amok is uh, when uh, Daffy Duck is like, I want my close-up, I want my close-up, and suddenly the camera pulls away, so Daffy Duck's, like, five miles away, and he says, this is a close-up? And there's so many mm-hmm. just great line readings. Because I, like, I had not seen this cartoon in maybe a decade. And while watching yeah. it, like, I could, I was like, oh, shit, like, I could start, remet- like, it was one of those things where you start, like, oh, God, I remember this bit coming up, and, like, specifically, like, line inflections and stuff, and, yeah, Duck Amok is just, this is the one, I guess, I'm, I don't know who would be listening to this who doesn't have context for this stuff, but, yeah, Duck Amok is the one that starts off, it's kind of like the like Scarlet Pimpernickel cartoon, where it's, like, which I'm assuming came before this, that's the one where Daffy Duck, he's playing the Scarlet, which is a riff on the old Scarlet Pimpernel stuff. But this one, it's supposed yeah. to be, it starts off like a Three Musketeers thing. Not that I'm really worried by going for a blow-by-blow blow of this cartoon. But the setup is funny, because, like, even the credits and things are all, like, old Robin Hoodie and stuff. And they're really setting up the idea that this is going to be an old-timey cartoon. Or, like, you know, like, Donald Duck, or Daffy Duck in, like, an old-timey uh, situation. But, yes, <laughs> he's, he's got his sword. And he's, like, running around, and suddenly he's, like, off, off the background painting, and it's all white. Then he's all like, hey, what the mm-hmm. fuck? And that's when the animator fucks with him in the next seven minutes is just him getting turned into a monster with a screwball flag tail and God, it, I, I, I'm watching that. It was it was it struck me as how much they changed Daffy from how he started out in the original. Where he was kind of like shorts a goofy where he prankster. was just a, a just a, a absolutely insane lunatic. Yeah. Well, that's a funny thing because his name is Daffy Duck. He was, I mean, he kind of started off as a, yeah, a Bugs Bunny knockoff where he was even crazier because at least Bugs Bunny was kind of sly, but he always had a plan. Whereas Daffy Duck was like, woohoo, woohoo, like bouncing. Well, he had the kind of Bob Clampett stuff where he's like bouncing on his own head and shit like that. Literally yeah. just bouncing off the walls. When, and I do love this. Slow, hold on one sec. I got to check. I heard see what this dog is going. Outside. Yeah, <laughs> there's a dog meltdown. I, I could just rant at the audience for five minutes about how. Uh, Daffy Duck eventually turned into the most grounded character in the Looney Tunes canon, where he's the most sympathetic. He's the one who's the most easily frustrated. There's an anecdote from Chuck Jones talking about how Bugs Bunny is the uh, character we all aspire to be, where he's always super clever and always has the right bon mot and way to get revenge against the asshole and his uh, assholes in his life, whereas Daffy Duck is how we all always feel naturally. We're just frustrated and angry at all the time, and the whole world seems to be set against us. And, kind of, yeah, Duck Amuck is totally about how essentially his god is out to destroy <laughs> Daffy Duck's god is who's trying to kill him, I guess. But at least not kill him and frustrate him. And just, yeah, there's so much great stuff. I just, the, the fucking, 
I, I, the funny thing is I love how much Daffy Duck... I really am just... <laughs> Daniel's not back. I really am just, like, scanning through this episode, just, just commenting on it. But one of my favorite things is that, like, Daffy Duck at first doesn't even take this being fucked with personally. He's more just, like, the show must go on kind of attitude about it. I don't know. It. He's just a dick. He's yeah. what? Huh? what? what? Just Who? dropkick that dog. I don't know. He was just barking at nothing. He's in Do you have ghosts? Yeah. Well, you know, that is an old dog, so he might be going senile, which I didn't realize was a thing with animals until recently. What is he doing? <laughs> I'd be bad. Oh, is there a kitty? Is he babysitting a kitty? Um, God, they're fucking cartoons. Um, what are your guys' favorite Looney Tunes cartoons? Whoever's listening to this right now, Feel free, I'm going to ask that question one more time, and then I'm going to be silent and be like, I'm listening to you, like, what's your favorite cartoon? Tell me right now. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't remember the title of that one either, but yeah, that's the one with the... Yeah, um... Yeah, no, that's... Dog's the worst! <laughs> oh, shit, you know what I just forgot? I forgot that? Pete the Puma. I should have looked up a cartoon. <laughs> he was only like in two cartoons, but I love it because he's totally, totally like early Brack. Like he's mm -hmm. like, "Hey, yo, what you doing there? I'm a big orange blue Give me a lot. I want a lump of sugar. I want lumps. Um, well, that's, you know, I, I, <laughs> I got to look at him up because we had talked about, because we were talking about fucking Chip and Dale, and I was talking about how there was the two Gophers Looney Tunes had, and that was one of the cartoons I did originally pick when we were going to do this on HBO Go, or on HBO Max or whatever, but I didn't have a hard copy of that. But then I was like, who's the other person who, if it's two talking Gophers, but they can't both be Mel Blanc, right? And then I realized the other one's Stan Freeberg. Who he? I guess he did the voice of Pete Puma and some other characters. Uh, that's a mm -hmm. whole thing. But anyway, I go off on the whole history of uh, Stan Freeberg. And moron from Freakazoid. Oh, is that a thing? Because I didn't really Stan oh, Freeberg was. Oh, he, he only died less than a I am moron. <laughs> oh, is that it? I didn't realize I he come with an important message for all mankind. I'm glad to see Stan Freeberg was like the Bobcat Goldthwait of cartoon voices then. Yeah. Oh my god, but anyway, so yeah, I was just ranting about Daffy Duck and just like all oh, the things. Man, I... when he gets upset, like when the like his voice when he just goes to talk, and he mm -hmm. just like a big chicken sound, and like a second bird sound comes out of his mouth, and he just makes a little bit like he covers up his mouth. This is also one of the other thing, like fucking watching these cartoons, like they're funny in motion, but there's just individual fucking drawings in these cartoons yeah. that are them by themselves fucking hilarious. Like, oh my god, I, like, just, uh, it's gonna be, it's, uh, trying to find episode art for this episode's gonna be fucking rough. What? Trying to find, like, good gifts and images that, like, because there's so many fucking great images to choose from from all these cartoons. This is gonna sound bad. Oh no, it's gonna what be. What happened to Chuck Jones? <laughs> That's the terrible thing, because this is not the first Chuck Jones stuff we've covered on this podcast. Well, wait, so we did the Phantom Toll Booth. Uh -huh. That was terrible. I mean, that's like, that is, was him is, just doing the, the animation. First, when he when he did his runs on Tom and Jerry, like they were good for a while, and then some. Like I don't know if he got into drugs or something, but something happened. <laughs> Which is weird just, because it just, they just got bad. I did see so uh, something something. I did see. I didn't realize 
like I never t- bothered to check to see how he left Looney Tunes or how he left Warner Brothers because he obviously worked at Warner Brothers for like 20, 30 years from like late, late, like early 40s to like sometime in the mid 60s. I guess what happened in like 1962, there was like a fucking, I guess there was a cart. Someone tried to make a cartoon starring what's her face, Judy Garland, and he helped mm-hmm. co-wrote that movie. But because it was a non-Warner Brothers production, Warner Brothers found out about it. They're like, you're fucking fired. You can't work for the competition. So they canned his ass. And I'm assuming that's when he must have gone off to do Tom and Jerry, which is funny because, like, yeah, I didn't really just doing research for this episode. I didn't realize that um, Wiley Cody and Roadrunner were created as a parody of Tom and Jerry. And, like, his his Tom and Jerry stuff wasn't that bad. But then... No, the the first half is good, but then something and happened. And the Grinch is fine. And that's, again, something that's something else that was created after he was fired by... I think I he think got it... really influenced by that one studio I hate. The minimalist studio. Oh, the did, UPA like, the shit? Panthers yeah. Shit. Yeah, I think he got influenced by them real hard, it seems. Because... You know what? The funny thing is we were just slagging a little bit on the Pink Panther before. And kind of like the Frizz Freeling was one of the other directors from the old Looney Tunes stuff. And he was the guy who went on to do the Pink Panther stuff. And I think that Pink Panther stuff is funnier than anything Chuck Jones was doing at this time. Not that the Pink mm. Panther stuff was like the end all be all of like comedy, but like like the 60s, 70s animation. Well, no, it wasn't. I totally... I fucking hate the Pink Panther. Really? I love the Pink yeah. Panther. Just for the Pink Panther, there's one sound effect that they always use in the Pink Panther cartoon. Exactly. He falls on the ground. <laughs> Well, you know, I think that's I love that UPA. sound effect. Yeah, well, I th- you know, when 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 that sound effect gets legitimately used in a, a non-comedy movie, yeah, it's funny every time. <laughs> I think, I think when they in Star Wars, when like Luke Skywalker gets his ass kicked by the Tusken Raiders, the Sand People, I think they throw him on the ground, and he makes a very quiet version of that, like throwing on the ground <laughs> dirt ground sound effect. Um, yeah. How great is the Pink Panther? He's an insulation <laughs> spokesman. <laughs> That's the terrible thing. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, no, Chuck Jones. I think it's something that, like, once he stopped, like, his, yeah, his his, his actual cartoon cartoon stuff wasn't nearly as good as his Golden Age era stuff. Like, essentially what we're talking about now. But then also, I think he kind of got lost up his ass. Maybe he got tired of doing funny cartoons, and that's when he decided he had to do stuff like the Phantom Tollbooth and Ricky Tiki Tavi, which are still, like, nicely animated, but they just weren't that funny. And I think Chuck Jones, he just got really maudlin. Like, he got very kind of sentimental, and, like, he wanted to, like, tell stories and stuff, and his, his, uh, not that I want to, I don't want to hate pigeonhole the guy, but the funniest, the best, the Ch- Chuck Jones's best thing was doing just straight fucking stupid, absurd comedy, and anything yeah. else was, like, that was his first best use of his talents, anything else, like, fucking telling, retelling Rudyard Kipling stories or anything like that was kind of bullshit and that's kind of the nice thing with the with the the, the dr seuss the grinch thing is that he, at least he was working with ted geisel dr seuss and so they he had two smart two smart guys working on the same thing that they could play off each other's strengths but yeah but yeah it's, yeah chuck jones kind of got lost up his own ass when he got older um but he uh, even some of the stuff because like they brought him back to do looney tune stuff like in the 70s and 80s well he did the opening animation for romans 2 that we talked about and that's cute but it's not great but then again, also, like, by that time, you're, like, 95 years old, so what the fuck do you expect? But, yeah, this fucking duck amuck shit is just fucking... Uh, you know what, the, the other thing I was thinking about while watching this cartoon, too, was... 
This must have been a really rough cartoon to storyboard and to articulate to the other animators, like, exactly what's happening. Because you're doing so much weird meta stuff. It's like, okay, no, like, there's not gonna be a background in the scene, and that's the joke. And, like, having to articulate that to the artist, like... <laughs> like, no, we're gonna be breaking a lot of animation conventions here. In fact, actually, we're gonna be making fun of animation conventions. Like, I don't know if working on this cartoon for the other animators and, and, like, even, like, the sound guy and everything like that, if this would have been really fun to make or really annoying because you ha you're having to break so many of your own rules. Um, and yeah. I was also looking at, there's a list of, a chronological list of all the Looney Tunes cartoons that Chuck Jones directed. Once I realized that we're doing nothing but Chuck Jones this week. Um, he was doing one of these cartoons a fucking month. Like, 12 cartoons a year for, like, 10 years, 10, 20 years. And to think that Chuck, uh, Chuck Amuck, Duck Amuck, uh, Chuck Amuck, Chuck his, Amuck. his name is uh, Chuck Jones' autobiography. Duck, to think that Duck Amuck was, like, nothing special, it was just one of the other dozen cartoons he made that year. Like, it's not like they set mm -hmm. aside any special time or budget to do this and just, like, oh my god, but yeah, it's so fucking good, but yeah, and it, the whole thing it eventually just ends with, uh, you know, you find out Bugs Bunny's been fucking with him. And it's also I did like that I did like that he shouted the prestige afterwards. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It is also there's a little touch of Roger Rabbit at the end because I never realized it's actually just a photograph of an animation uh, animator station at the end that Bugs Bunny's sitting at. It's not just like a matte painting or anything like that, but or a background painting, but yeah, there's man, just even scanning through it now, there's there's so many great and like fucking Daffy Duck just getting ever more frustrated, and this is something I would mention while you were away from the, the mic, was how it eventually, it, it starts off that Daffy Duck is just upset because he just wants to perform, and the fact that Bugs Bunny's fucking with him, he can't perform, but it could be, like, the fact that his agitation becomes more and more personal the whole time, but, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that's, that yeah, Duck Duck Amuck, man, I, I, it's, good, it's so batshit, there's not much more to say about it other than just watch it, and it's just fantastic to see a fictional character a fictional character's, like, reality unravel around him. And for Daffy yeah. Duck to be that character and, like, his losing his fucking mind, it's just... I, I have no idea where they came up with the idea for this. But it's fucking... It's, it's, it is one of the perfect cartoons ever made. Um, That's pretty good. It is good. What else? What else? Uh, I can talk about Fast and Furious since you mentioned it. Uh, yeah. I've never been it. Never been a super fan of Roadrunner cartoons. You know what? I love violence. <laughs> so mm. and yeah, um, they're 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 pretty good. I always hated the Roadrunner because he's such a prick. Yeah. Which I think that's kind of how everybody feels about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I, I I was looking. Do you ever see the thing where Chuck Jones eventually came came up with like a list of twelve rules for the Looney Tunes for uh for the mm -hmm. for the Wally Cody cartoons. And they're all stuff, like, you, you, you wouldn't expect. But, like, one of the, his rules is that, like, Wiley Cody needs to be always be the most sympathetic car uh, character in the cartoon. And he can't be hurt. He can't he can't be directly hurt by the Roadrunner, which is actually something that, since this is the first cartoon, this yeah. kind of breaks a little bit. Which, I'm sure, those rules that Chuck Jones, came, like, talked about later, I'm sure that was something more he more came up with, like, retroactively. I can't imagine when he first... Made this first cartoon, he was like, "I have these two characters, and here's these twelve rules. I want this and all the future cartoons we're guaranteed to make based off these two characters. Like we have to abide by." Um, but, um, uh, but yeah. So this is it's funny because it's kind of like um, an alpha version of Wiley e. Coyote. He's got like red ribs around his eyes, which I don't know if we ever see that again. 
Um, I feel like you do. Again, a little bit. The, when in, I know in later cartoons, in, in this first cartoon in Fast and the Furious, when Wile E. Cody's like looking super upset or something like that, they do a weird effect where like suddenly his eyes, like the whites of his eyes turn yellow and get very small. While the red like rims around his eyes get super big and it's a really weird look. I think later on when they would do that same effect, they would just keep his eyes white. And in fact, actually, and instead of like the yellow part, the, the, the white slash yellow parts of his eyes getting smaller, they would get bigger to kind of create an extra effect of just like, oh my god, what the hell just happened? So it's mm -hmm. kind of a weird uh, character thing. But yeah, there's no setup or anything like that. It is just, uh, <laughs> you would not realize, aside from like some of the weird design stuff with Wile E. Cody, you would have no idea that this is like the first cartoon because it really just to start like every other Wile E. Coy uh, Wile e. Coyote cartoon where well. it's them in the desert <laughs> and you've got the little, the Latin surnames underneath and he's licking his lips and he just wants to eat that fucking Roadrunner. And well, they do, they do just use like Boomerang, school crossings, lids, rockets, just, it's very basic. Fair, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the first gag of something that would happen even much more later, uh, much more often, and in, in bigger and elaborate ways where, uh, Wiley Cody just wants to drop a rock on the on the Roadrunner, and of course, mm. instead of falling forward, it just falls backwards onto him. And I do love that even in this cartoon... Which again, like I said, becomes a bigger thing in, the, in in later cartoons after this. It's great because the rock is falling forward like it should, and then suddenly for some, whatever reason it bends backwards, as if God <laughs> is working against uh, the the, the uh, Wiley Coyote. Tippins, mm -hmm. am I losing my mind? Yeah. I think we may have mentioned this on the podcast before. Wasn't there a certain point where the Wiley Coyote had like he didn't talk? But he had a voice like he was thinking to himself or something like that? Oh, no, he talked. He straight up talked. Okay, because I, I couldn't remember, and I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find it there. Which is... In yeah, he stops talking like, I am wild. Yeah, okay, I yeah. Well, and I know there's... They paired him up with the sheepdog guy in at least one or two cartoons where they're checking in for the day, because, like, the, the whole joke is that, like, the sheepdog guy, he's supposed to be looking over the sheep. And Wiley Cody yeah. is supposed to be, like, checking in because his job is to try to steal the sheep. And they're yeah. talking in that, but... Um... Yeah, it's funny, too, because one of the things that, uh... Is this the first time? This must be the first time we actually see the Acme name shows up. Because I don't think the Acme names on any other of the products he gets in this cartoon, aside from the superhero outfit. Which is kind of funny, because this cartoon was made... I think they said, like, 1942? And... Superman was only 1938, so that's only four years before this, so it's kind of funny to think that just within four years, the superhero comic book genre had become enough of a thing that you're, they're making a joke about it in this cartoon. Um, and I love how baggy his outfit is. And yeah, he jumps over a cliff yeah. and falls and... <laughs> I do like I do like how creative they got with the, uh, a fridge, a uh, meat a... grinder, and skis. <laughs> I am, when I saw the setup for this, I was like, how is this going to go in a way that's not going to be, like, X-rated in terms of blood and gore? Where you have Wiley <laughs> yeah. Cody with a, a, um, he's got an icebox strapped to his back, and B, he's got a meat grinder inches away from his face. And I love the, the whole, like, the fucking Goldbergian setup of the fucking, like, the ice boxes, shooting box of ice into the meat grinder, and the meat grinder's turning into snow in front of 
uh, Coyote's ski, so he can just generate a, like a self-perpetuating ski sl- a ski slope wherever he goes. And I thought the joke mm-hmm. was going to be that he gets his face stuck in the meat grinder, which of course, if this were I, maybe Itchy and Scratchy has kind of ruined me on these cartoons where I'm always assuming the most Brian, violent possible thing is going to happen. But no, but instead he misses the target on getting the Roadrunner and get, ends up going sliding off a mountain because he's skiing and he can't stop himself, which is still funny, mm-hmm. but like. Yeah, I was expecting something even more gruesome to happen, and, um, <laughs> I just love that he's got, like, rocket-powered tennis shoes, too, which, that actually, that actually, Marvin the Martian, which I didn't realize was gonna show up in this, I forgot that he shows up in Duck Dodgers, Marvin the Martian, I always assumed he was wearing tennis shoes, but it's never made, really made clear, but I really, I figured he was, I, yeah, I mean, he looks like he's wearing Chuck Taylors. But mm-hmm. these rocket power tennis shoes that Wiley Cody's wearing in this cartoon, they're they're exactly the same design as as as, as uh, Marvin the Martian's shoes. And the fact that they're called out as tennis shoes, they obviously are just supposed to be Chuck Taylors. But yeah, no, and and yeah, the cartoon does kind of break its own rules at the very minute uh, where at, at the very end where the Roadrunner runs actually runs over Coyote, which is yeah something I don't know if you'd ever see that again. And then uh, he runs over. A coyote in a bus because he's riding in the back of the bus. Yeah, that's it. But me, me. yeah, but that's that's. They only paid her for the one meat. <laughs> Those bastards doubled it on the soundtrack. Oh my god! But yeah, so that's that's it's it's a pretty good cartoon. By a course, by the standards of the Wiley Cody and Roadrunner series, it's 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 pretty tame, but. It's still, you know, in the grand scope of all cartoons, though, it's still pretty goddamn entertaining. But yeah, just interesting to think that, like, yeah, yeah this is, like, while Disney was making fun and fancy free, this is the shit they were making at Looney Tunes. Fucking love that shit. Um, yeah, can you imagine? I, well, I don't know. I was going to say, if you combine Disney and Looney Tunes, like, their animation with the Looney Tunes writing, but their animation is so good at right now. Who? Oh, oh Looney Tunes? Yeah. Like, all their smears and stuff is so on point. Well, that's the thing. It's not that the animation is bad in Looney Tunes, but they had to work... I think they had less people. They had to work faster. And, well, they also had... They were going for a different aesthetic style, too, because Disney was going for the lush backgrounds and, like, the super beautiful water and stuff. And it's it's kind of funny being so soaking knee-deep in Disney stuff that I forgot that... Oh, yeah, no, Looney Tunes... Like, you even see it when, um... Bugs Bunny is painting the backgrounds in the Duck Amuck cartoon. Like, when he strands Bugs... When he strands Daffy Duck on a little tropical island, the smoke coming from the volcano is just white chalk curly cues? Like, that kind of, I mm-hmm. love that kind of abstracted art style, which let... What was it? Maurice Noble was the guy who designed and painted most of the Looney Tunes backgrounds during the Golden Age of Looney Tunes stuff. Like, he specifically made everything kind of stylized so he could, he could crank out, like, 13 dozen of those backgrounds in a single week. Because, like, yeah, imagine, like, you've got, like... I mean, there's a whole there was a whole background department, but... So it wasn't just one guy making all the backgrounds for the cartoons. But still, in order to meet the requirement for, like, what they were pumping out, they didn't have the resources Disney had, so they had to kind of streamline things. So that's why, like, half the time, like, the, if, yeah, you look at the, the background of a Looney Tunes cartoon, like, it's just more abstract shapes than it is, like, rendered trees with, like, sun-dappled shadow... Or anything like that, which adds to the kind of zany effect of, like, you're living in this fractured world. And adds to the kind of high energy, almost kind of, like, anxious feeling of the Looney Tunes cartoons. But, yeah, so, uh, what else? What else? 
You want to talk about Ravenous Seville? No, I'm going to make sure that I think that no. No, it's for that oh. one. Oh, I do like... They, they only do it in this one, but I do like any time... In Looney Tunes cartoons, they show somebody running really fast just by drawing a dozen feet under them. <laughs> the circle of a dozen once. feet, the blur, yeah. No, not the blur. It's just like 15 feet underneath them all moving around. Oh, kind of like Marvin the Martian. When he's yeah. like twinkling around. And I forgot how he's got his own little musical theme when he's walking. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a... Yeah, like spider legs almost. Um, it's funny to think like how many of those cheats are like... I can't say that's that's how everyone thinks about cartoons there. At least everyone who grew up of a certain age who grew up with Looney Tunes cartoons. That kind of becomes the default language of how cartoons work. Is the fact that like that yeah. very specific kind of like smearing or blurring or like multiple feet is how like you express how things are moving fast in a cartoon. But yeah. Oh my god. And it's still crazy to think this like less than 20 years after like plain crazy or whatever the fuck, fuck first sound... <laughs> Disney cartoon was now like this like how yeah. how quickly cartoons evolved and oh my god fucking amazing but how do you feel about Duck Dodgers of the 24th and a half century? I think you know what the, I can kind of I hate to say it but I can kind of do without uh, Marvin the Martian I've never been particularly yes. impressed like he's fine mm. but it's weird that he doesn't have much of a personality other than just being smug but he's not like smug in a I... way that you I don't know what do you think? I feel like he, he's so... Marvin the Martian exists just to be the foil. He's not That's, there, He's not yeah. particularly funny. He's just there for the jokes to... But I think they've come up with better foil. Like, even, like, the fucking Leopold Stokowski. Like, I'm trying to think of other foils. Well, you think of foils, you, you're probably going to think about most Bugs Bunny foils, which are usually big, stupid guys. And I'm trying to think of other... Or small black children. <laughs> or, or Japanese soldier. Uh, um... <laughs> I, on the scale of, like, da Daffy Duck foil, the best foil for Daffy Duck is not even technically an enemy. It's fucking Porky Pig. Because Porky Pig is such a smug motherfucker. I love, I don't know if this is the first time they paired up Daffy Duck with Porky Pig in terms of they're working together on the same team. But it's such a good comedy. Man, I should have put in Robin, Robin Hood Daffy. It's like the apex of that. Where, da where Porky Pig is just watching Daffy Duck make an ass out of himself. He's laughing, his belly's shaking. <laughs> And especially he'll get back up and keep watching Daffy Duck hurt himself and he's like almost crying. Oh my mm -hmm. god. And again, that's pure Chuck Jones because I'm picturing like Daffy. I'm picturing Porky Pig because all the fucking Chuck Jones versions of all these characters have those big eyelashes. And just like, oh yeah. my oh, no, we're, that's We're not talking about Robin Hood Daffy. We're talking about fucking Duck Duck. You know what? This is kind of interesting though because this is kind of a parody of... We're going to get into this a little bit with the Dover Boy stuff. But this is such a, a parody of such a very specific... Thing that no longer really exists. The Buck Rogers kind of like, yeah, early century. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how they could like... The aesthetic feels like of the time, but it's obviously a parody and made to look really stupid, but it also feels <laughs> like how stupid that stuff at the time looked. Well, it's kind of funny too, because this is like... When I was picking these cartoons, I was a little loosey-goosey with the rules. And so I was trying to pick anything that's within like a couple years, within five years of what, like the nineteen late nineteen forty stuff we're, we're currently in the middle of with the Disney stuff. And so this mm -hmm. is technically this is like nineteen fifty two, nineteen fifty three. And so this is it's interesting. It's nineteen fifties era cartoon makers making fun of science fiction from the nineteen thirties, 
But also from our perspective, the 1950s science fiction already has so much of its own aesthetic that is also integrated into this cartoon. So Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century is kind of a weird mix of like 1950s needle-nosed like weird science fiction stuff making fun of science fiction from the 1930s. So you've already got a kind of a weird blend of two very already kind of cartoony science fiction aesthetics kind of mixing, mixing in this card. I love all the shit where it's like all vacuum tubes. Like mm -hmm. vacuum tubes and light, weird big light bulbs are powering everything and I love how they don't even try to explain. Like it, the cartoon starts off with Daffy Duck is like going to some kind of like space station somewhere but it's like a space station that's like on top of a bunch of poles just floating in space and he has to walk through like an electromagnetic field with a giant eyeball watching him. And it's just so abstract and odd that this, this yeah. kind of, like, and also I'm assuming that, I, I don't know if, because, like, I don't think the Buck Rogers live-action shorts had the budget to do half this stuff. I kind of wonder if they're also kind of making fun of, like, whatever Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon comic books were at the time. Because, like, the, the background design, like, I love one of my favorite, this cartoon by itself actually has some of the most best background design stuff of any Looney Tunes cartoon, and most of it is just at the beginning when he's going to this fucking space station. Like, when he first walks into the space station, there's this great shot where, like, he's in this vast, tall room that's almost entirely empty, and he and, like, the guy he has to talk to are two tiny little dots at the bottom of the screen, but, like, it's such a just great image, and it could just create this, like, really great impression of this big, vast, futuristic space that he's in. And that, yeah, the, he, he goes to talk to the guy who gives him his sign about how he needs to go to Planet X. He needs to find Planet X. Which contains what mm -hmm. aluminum phosphate, which is the shaving cream molecule. And yeah, they're getting dangerously low on shaving cream. <laughs> I don't, I'm even watching it now, and they're wearing their little tinfoil hats with like light bulbs on top, and it just like yeah, I fuck it. And like Daffy Duck's costume, he's like he's got like like this weird like cape that looks like it's made from like a homemade blanket or something, and I just love the aesthetics of this thing. I wonder how like everyone loves this cartoon now. I wonder if people loved it back then. Or if it was mostly, like, science fiction fans who would have been jerking off over this, because I wonder to, to a lot... I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I feel like everybody loved it, because comedy at the time was so bad. <laughs> I mean, that's a good... That's what... I think that's one of the things we love Looney Tunes so much these days, because it's one of the few things that actually stands up. Like, 80 years later, still actually pretty funny. Like, on its own terms. You don't need yeah. to have context or anything like that. But I love when mm -hmm. he, like, teleports from the, um... He, he teleports from, like, the moon base to, like, the airport. It's just, like, this electrical tele... Which is funny, because I kind of, like, predict Star Trek a little bit. But he, like, just zaps to the... The airport is just, like, a teleportation platform where he gets sent yeah, to his I like rocket ship. They have teleporters, but they still need an airport. Yeah, which is <laughs> such a dumb joke. And, yeah, so he goes flying off to find... Oh, this, you want to talk about dumb jokes. The, the, the Duck Dodgers drawing the huge map and then bouncing all over to get to the spy. And Porky Pig saying, and we can just follow the letters on the planets to get to X. Well, then Daffy Duck is like, so dumb. Well, then Daffy Duck like, gets upset. He's like, oh, yeah, we can. And he's like, something cook. He turns that idea into his idea. And he's like, I've got an idea. Yeah. And Porky Pig's like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, great. It's your idea. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so they end up uh, on planet X, and uh, which is actually, it's just shaped like an X, right? No, it's just got a big. Oh, it's just got it a is island a it's an island that's shaped like an yeah, X. Yeah, and I love that. Like, but there's all kinds of trees shaped like X's and stuff. And of course, as soon as they get there, Marvin the Martian shows up in this his spaceship that just <laughs> called the Marvin Martian Maggot, I guess. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. Man, there's all this great stuff. Everything. Yeah, go ahead. Everything on X is an X. Yeah, which is great. And then you... they they get in a fight. I like the uh, I, I you can see it coming from a mile away, but the joke of Daffy wearing his disintegration proof vest mm-hmm. when he pulls the disintegration gun and everything being disintegrated but the vest. It's such a lovely drawing of the vest hanging in space, too. And yeah. it's because the whole thing, because they both have disintegrating pistols, and of course when also, like, Daffy pulls his disintegrating pistol on Marvin, and he fires it, and of course the, pin, the pistol just disintegrates in his hand. And It's mm-hmm. it's it's just funny, because, like, you know, after watching this cartoon a million times, you're like, oh, yeah, ho, 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 I can see the joke coming from a million miles away. But watching this for the first time in a movie theater in, like, 1953, this must have been... Again, like even aside oh, from the science fiction shit, but this one was just fucking the killed. Flood of kiss, kid piss, just spilling out from Squirt the mouth. all over the popcorn. Oh my god. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, again, this is mostly funny because not of anything that Marvin the Martian is doing, because Daffy does just being such a fucking brutal dickhead. Um, mm. yeah. Oh, and then they re- re- so they re- retreat to their ships and they do the whole thing where they're trading threats to each other through, uh, firing bullets with messages at each other. Yeah. Although, except I guess the message is that Marvin the Martian is fired. There's one thing where he fires a bullet at uh, Daffy Duck, and Daffy Duck thinks it's going to be a message, but no, it's just another, like, it's a shotgun blast to his face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love these cartoons. They're so violent. It's awesome. It's so cool. Yeah. And I just, again, I just love the designs for... Uh, the, so the cartoon ends with, uh, D- Daffy and, uh, Martin the Martian blowing up Planet X. Uh, but in order to do that, they end up, like, surrounding each other's ships with, like, these, like, dynamite <laughs> missiles that are embedded in the Earth. And the consoles mm-hmm. that, um, uh, Marvin the Martian and Daffy Duck use to launch that, like, embedded dynamite stuff is great because these elaborate consoles that kind of look like space helmets with extra, like, nipples hanging off and stuff. And it's just, again... The background design is is so great, and I'm actually well, I'm watching it now. And the Marvin the Martian, the fact that he has to stand on a stack of books to use his his, his console is, is also pretty great. But yeah, they blow up the whole fucking planet. Mm-hmm. Did Duck Dodger says this planet's not big enough for the both of us, and pushes Marvin off, and Porky's hanging there on on underneath the remains of the tiny little planet, and says, "Big deal." <laughs> And of course, I love the of course the last line for Daffy Duck has to be Duck Dodgers of the twenty fourth and a half century, and they do that glow effect mm. whenever he does that too. And again, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a specific thing. Does like Flash Gordon or Buck Rogers either in either the movies or the comics do that too, where it's all all the rays coming off him when he says his own name? But God damn, that is again another it's another classic cartoon. Uh, fucking again i love that perfect weird mix of like 1950s and 1930s science fiction stuff and yeah and <laughs> i remember reading as a kid too uh back when george lucas was first showing star wars before it was finished and before it was released in theaters when he was showing it to his friends and stuff he would show it <laughs> by showing duck dodgers in the 24th and half century before star wars just as a little palate cleanser and he was like yeah star wars is science fiction but it's more like this stupid kind of science fiction. Don't be thinking it's like Planet of the Apes or anything like where it's about like you know existential, like you know like the the future of mankind and how it's going to interact with technology. Like this is the, this is the more kind of thing that I, I was kind of going for with Star Wars. I always thought that was kind of funny. Just that George mm-hmm. Lucas had a sense of humor about Star Wars even back then. But yeah, a fucking good cartoon. 
It's almost like Loot Tunes are fun. I, man, I fucking, I, I'm glad that not all these cartoons were, were Bugs Bunny. I think we only have one Bugs Bunny cartoon. I think kind of, I'm a little bummed we don't have any Tasmanian Devil in here. Mm. Um, who, who's your favorite Looney Tunes character? Uh, probably Daffy. Yeah. I guess by saying that, I'm suggesting main character. Because, like, if I were to avoid, like, my favorite character of all, like, if you're just talking about a character who shows up, mine might be Pete the Puma or Hansel mm, and Gretel. He is really good. Hansel? Yeah, Hansel and Gretel is pretty Hansel? Good. Yeah. You know what's funny? Oh, if, you, if you get into, like, the... I mean, if you get into like the side characters like that, man, you know, I, I need some time. I think my actually, you know, I think my new favorite character might be the lead of the Dover Boys. We'll get to that, and then yeah. we gotta save that for the end. But oh my fucking god! The Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Show will return after these messages. Bang bang bang! Oh, howdy, partner. Time for timer. Do you ever get that hungry feeling after school? Boy, I do. I'm so hungry, I could eat a wagon wheel. When I'm slow on the draw and I need something to chaw, I hanker for a hunk of cheese. <laughs> when my ten-gallon hats are feeling five gallons flat, I got something planned, which is little cheese sandwiches. Come on. Here's a great little snack to tide you over till dinner. If you want something delicious and nutritious, cheese is a super snack. Look, a wagon wheel. When my get up and go has got up and went, I hanker for a hunk of cheese. When I'm dancing, I hold down and my boots kind of slow down or any time I'm weak in the knees. I hanker for a hunk of, a slabber slice a chunk of, a sniker day is a winner, and yet won't spoil my dinner. I hanker for a hunk of cheese. Yahoo! Ryan, got your new cereal. How's it look, Duke? All clear. Go for it. Hit it! Introducing G.I. Joe Action Stars brand cereal, a delicious part of this complete breakfast. Crunchy stars that taste great. So, for all you action stars... Bye, Mom! G.I. Joe Action Stars! Oh, what I wouldn't do to get new Fruity Pebbles with great flavor. Say, aren't you? Grape is what I like. Give me Fruity Pebbles and I'll let you ride my bike. Here, you love these new Fruity Pebbles with grape flavor. Purple, purple, great, great. The fruity pebbles taste so great. Bonnie! Uh-oh, time to pick up the beach. New Pulse Fruity Pebble cereal with great flavor. Part of this nutritious breakfast. Today, share all the wonderful excitement with the magic of the Ewoks. Then it's non-stop adventures with R2-D2 and C-3PO. We do not want to make snow droids. Today, tis the season to be jolly with Ewoks and droids. Computers are coming your way. Computers? Paying bills? Mothers, too. Bah, humbug. Wow. Let me try it. Della, you shouldn't have. Harriet, computers are everywhere, and it's time the Critter family had one. <laughs> computers are mere toys. No, I think Della's right, Foxworthy. Computers are a part of everyone's life. On our class trip to the airport, we learned how computers help planes take off and land safely. My class saw how computers help firemen get to fires faster. And Harriet, there may be a computer talking to you at the new Harriet's supermarket. Even our phone system uses computers, and computers help predict the weather. 
And the newest elevators are computerized. Right, Stanley? Oh, yeah. And we'd never have gotten to the moon without computers. Oh, digital watches are computers, too. Time for your dental appointment, Foxworthy. Huh? <laughs> computers are everywhere. See you soon. Mask, where illusion is the ultimate weapon. Invert switch plays the jet mode. Surprise, Matt Tracker. It's mayhem. Battle station. Protected decoder, Bruce. I'm going up. Stacks ready to fire. Mask, switchblade, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Fire! Each sold separately with action figure. Cover me, Matt. 10-4. Sato's getting away. But you're not mayhem. Mask, switchblade, Thunderhawk, and Rhino. Each sold separately. New from Kenner. I still remember when I was on the Rambler Ride Show. Look, here's his boat. And now he's celebrating the show's 25th anniversary. You know the best part? It's these cool Ramblin' Rod 25th anniversary t-shirts with Rod and Bugs Bunny and Popeye. You can order yours for just $9 by sending a check or money order to T-Shirt Care of KPTV PO Box 3401 Portland, Oregon 97208. Radical! Hey, don't forget to tell them your size. And now, back to the Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Show. Uh, which one do you want to do next? Uh, I could do Rabbit of Seville, because it, it's mostly musical. So oh, that's a good point, yeah. I mean, there's plot stuff and <laughs> What am I saying? Most... I just realized what happens in that cartoon. There is no plot stuff. The plot stuff is like Bugs Bunny being chased by uh, fucking uh, Buster Jones. What's his name? Yeah, Buster for Jones. Buster for Jones through the forest, and he gets chased into the Hollywood Bowl. I do like when they go to the Hollywood Bowl, there's a uh, sign outside the Hollywood Bowl saying, Some Summer Opera Tonight, The Barber of Seville, and uh, the credits are with Eduardo Salerzzi, Michel Maltese, and Carlo Jonesy, which are, uh, the first name is one of the producers of these cartoons. The second are uh, Michael Maltese and Carl Jones, obviously, but... Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the fucking uh... a huge crowd going to the opera. It's a very different time. Oh, yes. Well, they don't have to wear masks and shit too. But, uh, I literally forgot the name Edward Fudd. Oh, I just meant because nobody goes to the opera anymore. What's his name? Ed Fudd. <laughs> yep, Ed Fudd. <laughs> no, not Ed Fudd. Homer Ed Fudd. Elmer Fudd. Homer Fudd. Ed Homer Fudd. That's it. You got it. What? <laughs> Ed Fudd. Hell. My brain it. became temporarily schizophrenic there for a moment. Ed Fudd. What did I think his name was? Elmer Fudd. I like yeah, his, I, I do like the thing where, like, you just, like, you see, like, little sparks of gunshots of him chasing Bugs Bunny in the distance in the distant mountains. And the shots of the mm -hmm. shotgun, I just thought was kind of funny, but yeah. So Bugs Bunny runs into the Hollywood Bowl to escape uh, <laughs> Edward Fudd. And so then the, the, he just spends the whole rest of the episode fucking with. Yeah, I like how their setup is. They go into the opera. And that's it. And that's the whole plot of the cartoon. It's a Bugs Bunny. Well, and I guess it's another Leopold Stokowski joke because, well, we mentioned oh, they... this too because we when we did Fantasia... We pointed out the fact that, like, the Bugs Bunny cartoon, where it's another thing where he runs into the Hollywood Bowl, but in that one, he's pretending to be the conductor fucking with the guy singing. And the conductor that uh, Bugs Bunny replaces is a replacement for Stokowski. He's got the hair and everything like that, and I guess this is I don't know Stokowski how again. the people don't use the conductor shrugging as, like... <laughs> exactly! There's... <laughs> Why not? <laughs> There are, there are so many smear frames from the Dover Boys that I can't 
believe aren't memes. We'll get to that later. But yeah, no, that that the other. Oh my god! This, so this is the one Bugs Bunny cartoon and, we're talking oh about man. today, huh? Huh? This is the one Bugs Bunny cartoon that we're talking about today. Is it the one? I think well, so. it's the only there really only one. Yeah. Yeah, my picks okay. for um yeah. when we're gonna do this in HBO yeah. Max, we're almost all Bugs Bunny. I, I love Elmer's face when the music starts playing and he realizes the curtain's up. Let's see. That, the big-eyed <laughs> panic look. Oh, yeah, no, that's... Made me laugh out loud. That's what I'm saying. They're so sp sp specific. I'm assuming these must have been, like, main poses that Chuck... Because when you're a cartoon director, like, one of your jobs is to sit there and say, okay, these are all the main poses throughout the whole cartoon I want you guys to hit, and they'll have, like... The animators will sit down and you have the in-between animators and do stuff. So, like, the big, the big pose is that's all just Chuck Jones. And, yeah, he's so mm -hmm. good at fucking drawing characters, like, freaked out and upset and anxious. And it's always fucking great. Yeah. And So, yeah, so Bugs Bunny just spends the rest of the cartoon <laughs> giving uh, Elmer Fudd a shave. Which is great because it's a character with no hair. Yeah. And so, oh, and he he hacks at Elmer's face with that. He goes razor. with the string razor. I did see that. I guess for the longest time that was actually cut out because a lot of people mm. thought that was too like gruesome. Not that there was any blood or anything like that, but he just goes chop, chop, chop with a straight razor, and it does suggest yeah. like well, you do hear uh, Elmer Fudd under uh, all the shaving cream that he's enveloped his head with, going, or he's all itching. Yeah, he's all yeah. Like it sounds like he's being mm -hmm. at least nicked a little bit. Oh yeah, and you see like right after he's his face is all like yeah it's it's yeah he's he's, he's not bloody but he's definitely got scratches all over his face. So. Yeah, he's got cartoon scratches. Yeah, on exactly. He looks like he's been scratched and by Bugs, a cat. I like Bugs is like, well, this is my chance to dress up like a lady. Gotta do it. I, lo I love one of the undercurrent things is Elmer Fudd would desperately fuck Bugs Bunny if he just didn't realize it was just Bugs Bunny and drag because like, Elmer Fudd is always horny. I, I think the secret underlying thing about every Elmer Fudd cartoon is Elmer Fudd just, like... Do you think Elmer Fudd wants to bang a lady, or do you think Elmer Fudd wants to bang a dude dressed like a I lady? I think he just wants to fuck Bugs Bunny. I think there's a thing here, like, that, I'm not even saying this is a funny mm. gay panic kind of thing, but, like, I think he's genuinely torn that, like... I mean, the, the joke is that he he obviously doesn't think that, like, when Bugs Bunny is a woman that he thinks it's Bugs Bunny in drag, but he, he's supposed to be tricked into thinking it's an actual woman, but... Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, the joke yeah, is yeah, obviously yeah. that he's just horny for anything, but, like, yeah. But, yeah, I do mm -hmm. <laughs> fucking Bugs Bunny coming out and he ties his shotgun. This is actually one of my favorite gags in the whole thing, when he's dressed as a woman, and, like, there's this great, like, one or two poses when he's, like, Bugs Bunny comes out and he does a dance around Elmer Fudd, and Elmer Fudd is acting all shy... And, like, these poses, he's, like, making this face, like, especially the one yeah. where he's, like, bending over and looking backwards so Bugs Bunny can, like, snip, like, the rear of his uh, suspender so his pants will fall down. And he's making such a, he's got, like, hand on the back of his neck, and it's such a very specific, weird pose. I can almost see Chuck Jones, like, posing like that in front of his own mirror in his drawing studio, just to, oh, my God. But, yeah, um, so, while, <laughs> while Bugs is dancing around uh, Elmer Fudd, he ties the two, t uh, the, the two tubes and a shotgun together, so when Bugs Bunny reveals, uh, goes out of his way to reveal to Elmer that he's Bugs Bunny, he puts his butt in the, in the air and shows up his tail. Of course, the first thing Elmer does is grab his shotgun and tries to shoot uh, Bugs Bunny, but of course the, 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 the tubes are tied, so he just shoots himself in the face back into the chair? Jesus mm -hmm. Christ, the sound, sound effect is so good, it's so visceral, it's like, oh my god, holy shit, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Cartoons uh, are good. I love cartoons. 
They're pretty good. Oh, I, I really love how Bug's eyes are pointing off in different directions when he does the scalp massage. Like, he's just like, one of the another s- day at the office, huh? One of the fucking... One of, one of the things no one ever talks about in these fucking cartoons. Bugs Bunny... I don't know what mm-hmm. the hell this is. This is something Chuck Jones loved to fucking do. Assuming it was just Chuck Jones. I don't know if the other animators did this. But when, Chuck, when Bugs Bunny's pretending to be like a pompous authority leader... Mm-hmm. This is also, there's, uh, Rabbit Hood was another cartoon that I was looking at that was in on, on HBO Max, but I didn't have a hard copy of. That's not, that's not the one where, uh, Daffy Duck is pretending to be Robin Hood. This is one where Bugs Bunny, he's just Bugs Bunny, and he's in the world of Robin Hood, and he's fucking with the Sheriff of Nottingham. And there's a scene where, to fuck with the Sheriff of Nottingham... Bugs Bunny comes out and pretends to be a king, and he's like, he's like, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna knight the, the, the squire, uh, the, the sheriff of Nottingham, I'm gonna knight you, and I'm gonna hit you with my stick. But like, in order to come out and trick the the the, the sheriff of Nottingham into submitting to being hit with the stick, he has to pretend to be king, and he comes out, and he's doing the totally the wall-eyed face thing again, where just like he's doing in this cartoon where he's, his eyes are going off in three different directions, and it's such a great look. It's always like this weird smug look Chuck Jones gives Bugs Bunny, and it's just, and he does it right here. He's like dumping all the hair tonic and everything onto fucking Elmer Fudd's head, and it's just so. It is like yeah, kind of like bored look like he's at work but also i don't know why he does it but it's such like a very specific thing that no one ever comments on because it, it by itself isn't necessarily super hilarious but just that mm-hmm. weird flavor touch to these cartoons that is just oh my god but yeah i love he jumps on top of of elmer fudd's head and is like rubbing his he's like giving his uh giving him a scalp massage with his toes and he uh gets some shaving cream and builds like a fruit salad on top of his head and Oh my god, that's fucking great. You gotta throw in the snake charming joke, because 1940s love snake charming. <laughs> well, of course, but instead of a snake, though, it's a buzz, it's a, it's a plug-in buzz thing. It's, uh, yeah, biting... Plug-in bu- buzz What the fucking um, <laughs> What everyone's using to cut their hair now, that no one can go to a hair salon, but... Yeah. yeah. The end. Yeah, lots more gun shooting than I remember. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they have fucking love. Lots of bl- shotgun blasts. Uh, Elmer Fudd seems to <laughs> manage to find a gun at wherever he, yeah, where he's running around that set. Uh, there's the thing. But man, Elmer Fudd takes that sandbag to the dick like a champ. <laughs> uh, there's... <laughs> it's great because he, he gets fucking clobbered by that sandbag. And the look mm. that is drawn at Elmer's face, because Elmer's pretty oh, much... Oh, those faces are so good. He's fucked for the rest of the... Hey, well, that's only halfway of the cartoon, and he's pretty much... He's pretty much mentally Dunzo. disabled for the rest of the cartoon. Uh, the look, because Bugs Bunny grabs him after he gets hit with the sack and puts him up on his feet, and Elmer Fudd's making this great, like, stoned look on his face. He can barely mm-hmm. stand, and... Oh, I fucking love it. And the fucking... There's a whole great... I was... Even as a kid, I thought this was gross and watching this again now, too. So then Bugs Bunny decides he's gonna give fucking Elmer Fudd a pedicure? And he uses a can opener to open his boot, which that itself is a great gag. And he's using these giant scissors to clip his nails. And like, I was like, ew, that's gross. And I love it that he paints his yeah. nails and he just slops a bunch of paint on his foot. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Elmer Fudd is still fucked up in the chair. I think he's dead. I think, I think <laughs> Bugs Bunny is now just fucking with a corpse for as much as Elmer Fudd does for the rest of the cartoon. Yeah, he puts a, he puts a bunch of hair tonic on his on his face so he grows a beard that he can then cut off. He puts beauty clay on his face that he then um, uses a spade to make into a block. And 
just the animation where he like the the, the the beauty clay turns into a clay brick that he cracks off mm -hmm. and like there's all these little crumbs left on his face and he's like flicking the crumbs off that's just great little animation touch again like uh, the stereotype being that like the looney tunes animation is not as good as disney but like more funny no there's still good like character bits maybe not like the the, the 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 animation may not be as lush as Disney, but still, just great fucking personality gags there, here and there. It's fucking great. Um, puts plant food in Elmer Fudd's head, so he grows flowers. Oh, and then Elmer Fudd does wake up, and he's chasing him with an axe. Oh, okay. I thought yeah, it would be it gets, weird. They, they, yeah. The weapon size escalates and escalates, until eventually Bugs gives him a diamond ring, and they get married. I just watched this last night, I already forgot they get married. <laughs> What the fuck is this yep. cartoon? Oh, he throws him into a cake called the, with a marriage of Figaro. What the fuck? And then he bites a carrot and says, and next? What? <laughs> That's, the, That's end. the ending? You know what? You spend so much time on the body of the cartoon, sometimes you just gotta get the hell out of you. We're, we're done. We're over. This is it. Go. We, gotta, we, gotta, we gotta go home. Your six yeah. minutes of he in heaven are done. Oh my god. So yeah, that was... Right, before we move on to feed the kitty, I'll be back. I'll make a pee, -pee. Oh, you're gonna drain the snake. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. No, I'll let you go do your thing. Oh my god, <laughs> fucking yeah! Feed the kitty. I was blindly clicking through all these ripped Looney Tunes files I had in my external media hard drive, and I was like, "Oh, what the hell is Feed the Kitty?" And I clicked on it, and I was like, "Oh shit, man! That's we gotta talk about that." Which, if you're watching from home, feel free to pause the podcast. Go Google. I actually, I wonder how many of these cartoons. Cause I know Disney is super crazy about keeping their shit off of YouTube. I wonder if Looney Tunes, Feed the Kitty Looney Tunes on YouTube, does that bring up brings up parts of some of the cartoons, not the whole thing. Enough that like yeah, if you want to YouTube Feed the Kitty, you'll you'll totally see what cartoon it is. There's people who do like cartoon commentaries. That's interesting. Huh. I never thought about how you could do commentaries for things like that on YouTube. If you could find the right... I mean, I mean, technically, you could do commentaries for anything on YouTube. But if you could find the right media property that's held by someone who's not going to copyright infringe, you could actually include the media within the podcast. You can be a video podcast and actually... Alright, what is going on What's the drink for you? today? Uh, I got a Rockstar sugar-free... Uh, delicious. Because you're exhausting, and I need all the energy I can get. You got Bill Mudge talking about Looney Tunes. It's going to be extra loud, screechy mo uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I hate that you search Mark Anthony, and it's just some asshole singer, not a dog. Is it also Mark Anthony? It's not Mark Antony? Isn't that the historical figure? But... Wow. I don't know. So we're talking about... Oh, yeah, I need to... Wait, where's my fucking... Okay. I'm watching these on you on uh, iTunes. I forgot what my iTunes was. So yeah, feed, feed the, the kitty, kitty starts off. Well, I forgot. Doesn't even start off with a dog. Starts off with a dark can, with a pair of evil Ooh. eyes hiding in the darkness. These, so evil. So evil, and the evil eyes come out. And you find out it's a beautiful little baby kitten. Yeah, not as cute as it could be. I think, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a fine mixture of not being saccharinely cute, but also you look at it and you're like, I can see why these characters would find this thing adorable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get the point. It's the baby Yoda of Looney Tunes. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, this is... It, the moment you see the kitten, you're like, oh, it's that cartoon. And so, yeah, the baby kitten comes out of the can. He's, like, cleaning himself. And this fucking big-ass brown bulldog named Mark Anthony comes out and starts barking at him. And the actually... <laughs> the animation... I... <laughs> The actual animation for the goddamn kitten is so great. It's almost like they spent, like, extra animation frames because his motion is so smooth. While Mark Anthony the dog is always constantly freaking out, like, moving into, like, more, like, crazy, like, less well-animated, but, like, more anxious kind of, like, movements and stuff like that. And I just love how, like, the dog will be totally still. And be like, what the fuck is going on? And the cat just starts walking up its its leg, the, the dog's leg, and up onto his back. And the dog's like, what the fuck is happening? And the cat takes so long, it take, totally takes its time to crawl up onto his back and, like, creates a little a little bed on its back, on the dog's back, to, and falls asleep and stuff. And it's fucking... It's... Because it's a cartoon, you only have, like, seven minutes to get the point across. So you can't spend a lot of time doing a lot of bonding between the, the, the dog and the kitten. So you kind of have to make that kitten as cute as possible. And if yeah. not through the character design, then design at least through its movements. And they, I, th maybe the character design isn't that great, but the movements of the kid is adorable enough. And like the how it's like stumbles up the dog's back and everything like that, it creates this perfect effect of like the cat has no idea what's going on around the world, but it's also cute and kind of fumbling around. And it is the perfect encapsula encapsulation of like, oh, the little In kitty cat. Yeah. Do you almost say in cat uh, You know what? I may have accidentally. Let's say I did. Yeah, I was big old wiener. <laughs> You're no, so it, good. It is such a perfect game. Yeah, no, it is. Like, the essence of kittenhood is so good, though, in that, in that character design. Mm. And so then, yeah, what the dog has to go back home and. You talk. I talk too much. Oh, it's fine. We're not really doing a blow by. I know, but I'm just saying. But like that's, like. but that's the setup, though, for at least the cartoon. Yeah, know? this lady owner says no more. Don't you bring no more shit in here, you fucking dog. <laughs> she kicks him in the face, beats him with a stick. Yeah, but yeah, I guess Mark. Ooh, somebody, it, yeah, somebody like drawing her legs. Especially with the, all the detail of uh, she's got the pantyhose with there's, the seam going down behind and everything like that. The, there's the there's. There's the point where the the kitten gets under a bull and uh, it scurries along the ground and she thinks it's a mouse and she like lifts her skirt up and oh, screams and recoils that. and somebody was like give a lot to, give them gam some cuz you get to see her uh what's it called I was uh, legs <laughs> I can't remember Elmer Fudd's name how am I gonna remember the name of Lady's lingerie the garter the the garter belt and all that garter stuff. belts no oh, that's not a damn quite shame. that much. That's things oh, such it a is I, th I think like drawing ladies legs in these cartoons were one of the few times the animators can kind of work out a boner or something like that mm, even on the cool. muppet babies they really made like nanny's legs like mm, how you doing because she would be like wearing like fuck me pumps and those did anybody draw attractive ladies aside from tex avery in like the old like even old-timey cartoons in general i guess yeah Man, fucking yeah. people will talk about how hot betty boop was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? She looks like she's a mouthful. I mean, if you like overinflated, oh <laughs> overinflated balloon heads, baby I guess. Poop is one, like not even as a representation of a human woman, but as just a creature is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. And I've well, she started off Ninja as a Scroll. dog. Oh, that's she's, right. I forgot. She started off as a dog. That's why she's all in like. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that shit. That's what, that's yeah. why she's got those jowls. It's so weird that she's mm -hmm. got those. Mm, fucking. I'm trying to think. Yeah, no, aside from, like, the Little Red Riding, or whatever her name is, Tex Avery's Red-Haired Lady, um... Red Hot Riding Hood. Red Hot Riding Hood. 
We're gonna get to this. Cause... I mean, there there was uh, Snow Black in the what? No, Cole Black. Yeah, Cole Black. What's her name? You know what the terrible Cole thing? Black? Cole Black's. I, I, they did draw her. She is. Mm, how you doing? But it's within <laughs> the most scorchingly racist cartoons, which is funny because I think that's that's war. That's Cole Black. I think that's Warner Brothers. That's not even Fleischer. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Jesus, fucking Christ. Um, we're gonna get get to this. I mean, we could have done that, Bill. It's 1943. I know, we could just jump back. Uh, Pecos Bill, I think this, like, Slowhand Sue, or whatever, and Pecos Bill, we're gonna get to that in the, pretty soon. I think, I think she was pretty cute. She's just a cowgirl. She's mm. kind of like, almost like Tex Avery's Little Red or, or Hot Riding Hood, but, yeah, I'm trying to think of, if any, like, 1940s cartoon stuff, yeah, I'm trying to think of, yeah, not that I can think of. Was, they usually didn't draw ladies' faces, I think, because the animators were like, we don't know how to There do is... What's her name? Lady Dopamine <laughs> from the Dover Boys. Is she hot? She's like a bowling pin no. with a face. Yeah. We'll get to that in the next cartoon. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, drawing the uh, Miss Nanny fucking Muppet legs here. That's the closest thing that, like, yeah. Yeah, like, it's because, like, of course Disney's not going to get horny. But you think, I'm kind of surprised the Looney Tunes. Are we missing? Oh, you know, Bugs Bunny and Drag. I think that's the closest time they ever had a chance to draw a hot lady, which actually Bugs Bunny and Drag, they, they, I mean, she's got, you know, how you doing? You know, I, watching the Roadrunner cartoon with all the rocks and stuff in the background, I was surprised that, like, there hasn't been a, a kerfuffle or something with, or, because there isn't one to be had. I'm, I'm surprised these dudes didn't draw, like, dicks and rocks and stuff Seriously. in the background. And, well, it would have been... Would have been harder for Looney Tunes because, like I said, everything was abstracted. So if you try to stick a dick in there, yeah, it'd be but so everything obvious. moves so That's fast. That's true. Like if it's just a whip pan, the Disney stuff you could have because there was so much detail. You could have like could have been like a Little Mermaid thing where you're usually like, oh, that. If you look at that mountain closely enough, there's like a there's like a a guy fucking a chicken in that mountain if you look at it just the right way. But yeah, that's <laughs> God. Yeah, aside from. What? Didn't they supposedly the Fleischer Brothers would like have like a frame or two of Betty Boop being naked in some of those cartoons? Something like that. And also, but th those were for adults. Oh, Betty that's Boop that's the other adults. thing too. She was originally a dog, uh, and they were for adults. Do we have to do the? We, well, we already blew past. If we were gonna do Fleischer Brothers stuff, we already. Well, no, I mean aside from, God, I fucking forgot. No, we're done with some, Fleischer. We baby. did the fucking Gulliver. Oh fucking yeah. God! I wanted no, no. ah anyway. And we're not doing Mr. Bug Goes to Town or whatever. No, we, that, that, that ship has fucking sailed. I guess we could have done some Popeye cartoons, but yeah, we're already past that. But anyway, yeah. so fucking Dog and Kitty. Doggy Kitty. Kitty gets a car? Kitty gets a car, yeah. Oh, because... Hey, how, how stupid is the owner that she confuses a kitten for a wind-up toy. Yeah. I mean, that's a cute gag where where the dog takes the key out of the wind-up car and sticks it in the, the cat's back. It is... Mm -hmm. <laughs> also, how much... Oh. Moving forward, how much flour does this lady go through that she needs a whole dang dingle-dangle drawer <laughs> for scooping out that flour? Okay, two notes. One okay. of the funniest cartoon drawings in history. This <laughs> God, how fucked up this whole sequence! I forgot how, how what the last half of this cartoon is. Jesus Christ! Oh, I was gonna say, is is Mark Anthony thinking she's cooking the kitten the greatest <laughs> series of facial expressions ever put to Again, screen? Chuck Jones just drawing great, just like characters like losing their fucking mind. 
it. Because it's not really animation. It's just these still frames of Mark Anthony grasping his uh -huh. own face and dying inside. And he can't do anything about it. It's so fucking good. But when she takes the fucking... She scoops out the flower. And it's just like a transparent thing of flour with the cat eyes on it. And just the eyes. Because <laughs> it's the cute Google thing. And Mark Anthony... And, and like that by itself is cute. But then he had Mark Anthony's reaction. is just so like... He's like holding his head. And it's just so like, oh my god, I'm going to die. <laughs> and it's like, there's one thing where like he's like in his dog bed. And he's looking and he's sweating. And it's just such a perfect cartoon encapsulation of just someone just... Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, like he's he's 2020 all over. It's fucking yeah. great. I love it. Yeah, and this is like I'm watching it now. This is the whole second half of the card. Well, also that lady's her cookies are gonna get all fucked up because like so the, the the kitten took up so much of the mass in her flower that she loses when the when the kitten gets out of the. Well, that's the thing that Mark Anthony doesn't see is that the kitten manages to get out of the batter right right before she turns on the mixer. And I guess he manages to clean himself up. You can see there's like one like quick like half second you see he's starting to uh, lick his foot once he gets out of the bowl. But yeah, Mark Anthony doesn't see that, so he spends the whole rest of the cartoon thinking his master has murdered the kitten, and he continues to watch as she like makes these cookie shapes and then puts the cookies in the oven, and he thinks the cat is baking. I mean, the cat should be dead by now. Uh, it's just. That's just fucking great. And he's crying. And <laughs> just... Oh, man. When when he gets able to come back in, he looks... That face is the face of somebody who's been crying for five he's hours. Got the, and kind of like what they did with the, the, the coyote. He's got the red around his eyes. And I love mm -hmm. that she stabs the knife into his heart even more by giving him a cookie shit like a cat. And then he just really just like... He sticks the cookie on his back because he's like, oh, like olden times. And he's just dying and... Oh my oh, god! So yeah, oh, and then so, of course the cat comes up, and he realizes the cat's not dead. And the rest, of the, actually, the, there's a whole minute here at the end, which actually kind of surprised they go on for this long. The denouements is not nearly as funny as the whole rest of the cartoon. There's the kind of the funny thing where like the the the, the mistress comes back in, and she finally busts uh, the dog, and and he tries one last time. He tries to do the key in the cat's back thing. He tries to do the powder puff. Thing and none mm. of that works, and the mistress is like, "Where'd you get that kitten?" And then she says, "He could just keep the kitten." And that's, that's yeah. the end of the cartoon. So, but <laughs> yep, but that's a good ass. Also, cartoon. like, wait, <laughs> this happened at the beginning. I too. always, I always got excited when that came on when I was a kid. It's a, I was like, "Fuck yeah, kitten cartoon!" It's such great Oof. personality in both the kitten, which is funny because the whole kind of whole, whole point is the kitten really doesn't have personality. He's just a cute machine. But like the yeah. dog. Like, like, well, actually, really technically dense. The dog crawls back on the back on the dog's back again and starts doing the making making biscuits. And the dog's face when he's all like half like going, ooh, ah, but he's also blissed out at the same time. So it's like alternating between like ooh ah, and then he's like ooh faces, and it's just so like oh my god, yeah, no, it's just this whole big bruiser of a dog being so taken in by this fucking like little kitten. It's just again, it's 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 his personality over anything else. He, I mean, the gags themselves are funny too, but the fact that Mark Anthony's personality fuels his anxiety, fuels these funny gags, and makes everything funnier. Like that's the thing. So many of the Disney shorts, cartoon, those characters don't have a ton of personality often, so that's why even if they do have good gags, they kind of fall short, or at least Goofy 
Although, like I said, we always said that the Goofy shorts are kind of like the best because Goofy's got a pretty strong personality and those gags are like the closest Dude. to the Looney Tunes stuff in terms of like sheer physical violence and funniness, but... I know oh my God. after he saw Gulliver's Travels, Walt Disney said our second hand, you know, our, our shitty animators could do better than that. <laughs> yeah. Was there any inkling on how he felt about Looney Tunes? You know, he's, as far as I know, he's never really talked about, like... That's a good point. Well, he's not going to talk about him anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> Stick a mic in, in, in the freezer that his head is locked into. Um, that's a good point, because he never... Like, not even to disparage them. I've never... Like, mm -hmm. as far... That's... Uh, you know what's funny, too? Because... I kind of wonder if it really wasn't that much of a problem, because... The rise of Looney Tunes, like Looney Tunes, the golden age of Looney Tunes was, was the 40s and 50s. And in the 40s, Disney was already so wrapped up in doing like propaganda for the State Department. And I guess by that, in, in that way, he wasn't like really in direct competition with Warner Brothers. And by the time, like the late 40s and the early 50s, his mind was so much on Disneyland that again... That's that's really good, you know, because he kind of his enthusiasm when his enthusiasm went out the wall went out the window after the 1941 Disney animation strike. I kind of wonder like if that also made it so he really didn't care too much about the Disney competition. At least in terms of like you know you still want to go out and beat the competition, but for him it probably stopped being like a personal thing. So mm -hmm. he probably didn't have. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think I've ever read anything with him where he ever talked. The one thing I, I only know about, like, there's a couple of animators and people who worked on the cartoons that kind of flip flopped in between working for Disney or and Warner Brothers or vice versa. Like Carl Stalling, the guy who did all the music for the Golden Age Looney Tunes stuff, he got to start working for Disney, but then he eventually wandered away and got hired by Warner Brothers and he did all like the best cartoon music ever. But yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I've never thought about how. Yeah, there's. And especially with Disney having such strong opinions and famous strong opinions about different things, it's funny to think that he never really, like, I know he talks shit on the Fleischer studio sometimes because they were run by a couple of Jews. And so, of course, that was the anti-Semitic, like, oh, the New York boys, or blah, blah, blah. But that was more because the Jew, yeah, the anti-Semitism more than the cartoons. But also in the fact they were directly competing with, like, Ub Iwerks. <laughs> Like the multiplane camera with their little model setups and stuff like that, but I'm gonna shut up because I just realized I'm talking for like five straight minutes. No, you're fine. I asked the question. That's, I, I mean, you were. It's, I. It's funny that never even occurred to me before. But yeah, mm. okay. No, but you know what? He probably saw the Dofer Boys and realized he had lost. I can't top this. I can't top. I can't top that. <laughs> he's like how? How? He's like the Dofer. Like that's that's a Warner Brothers Fantasia right there. How can I? Uh, the best I could do is be a strong number two compared to the Warner Brothers uh, unit. But so, is this the greatest thing Looney Tunes ever put out? I, which is funny too, because like a lot of people were like the Dover Boys. What's the Dover Boys? And they don't remember the Dover Boys. And then once you you show them like a bit of the Dover Boys, they're like, oh, that cartoon. Like, it's a parody of something, That's but what it, it doesn't I, need to be, because it fucking stands on its own. Because what, you know what, watching it, because it's been a while since I had seen the Dover Boys again, too. And, like, watching it the first time a couple days ago, I was like, was this a part of an aborted series? Because, like, they're making reference to so many other things, I'm like, 
It feels like, yeah, it feels like this was planned to be, like, kind of like if you were to, like, watch a, like a, like a, like, uh, like a Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner series, we're like, okay, this must, they must have done a whole bunch of cartoons like this, because this is referencing other things, and like, like, because like, the Dover Boys, their mortal enemy fucking, what the fuck his name is, like, it feels like this is part of a thing, but it's only the one cartoon. Dan Backslide, Dan, come on. And like, the character designs are so strong, and like, it's such a specific thing, and then like, watching it a second time, I had to Google it, like, okay, this is, it's not so much that, like, there's, like, they were planning to do other cartoons with these characters as much, as this is a parody of eight, of an 1890s crime-solving series of books about these college mm -hmm. students called the Rover Boys, which were three brothers. Everybody's favorite. Yeah, there were three brothers named Larry, Daryl, and Daryl, or whatever the fuck. And it's essentially... My brother Daryl, my other brother Daryl. Which is really fucking weird, because kind of like how... Duck Dodgers in the 24th and, has, and a half century is a little weird because it's making fun of science fiction from like 20 years before when that was made. This is a cartoon being made in like 1942 that's making fun of a literary genre that was only popular for a couple of years in like the 1890s? From like 50 years earlier? And now we're watching this 80 years after that cartoon was made. So of course we can't, it's hard to us for us to f divine What's a parody versus just Chuck Jones being out of his fucking mind? So it's an exercise heightened, like, what the hell are we watching here? And so, yeah, I guess the whole, the hallmarks of this book series, which I guess also kind of turned into its own little genre once it became popular enough, was, yeah, these three college boys would just go off and solve mysteries. And they were always, like, had all of these different fiancés and... It was all about, like, rah, rah, we're part of this college, uh, college other there sucks, and they were always, like, their mortal enemies were also were just random, rotten businessmen who were always trying to steal their girlfriends away. And, yeah, so I guess this existed as a parody of that. And the other funny thing, too, is reading about the history of this cartoon, I guess Chuck Jones had gotten temporarily fired over this cartoon? Because uh, he was like, I want to experiment with a new kind of animation where we go all in on, like, animation smears and, like, crazy mm -hmm. movement. Because I guess, at least for Looney Tunes, before this cartoon, this is from 1942, um, which is funny to think that, like, Snow White was just, like, two or three years before this. This is, this is still very early in the age of, like, color cartoons and stuff like that. And so, like, which is funny because, like... This like the like the, the actual animation style in this cartoon just looks kind of like standard for Looney Tunes, but it's funny to think this is kind of the cartoon that set the standard. And I guess the 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 head honchos at Warner Brothers when they first saw this cartoon, they were like, "This looks too weird." Like all these animation smears and like this, it's too energetic. Like audiences aren't gonna understand what's happening in this cartoon. Yeah, to the point, I guess they temporarily fired Chuck Jones, and Chuck Jones is like, "I don't care. We're just gonna keep on going." So they. Like, I guess he got hired, but, like, I think they said something like, he got fired, but he never left. And so they kind of pretend the firing <laughs> nice. didn't happen anyway. So it was kind of those one things where, like, once the cartoon came out and it did gangbusters, like, they were just like, okay, we're gonna pretend that the whole firing thing never happened. But, which is, because, again, too weird. Like, like, the weirdest thing about this cartoon is not so much the animation style, is like, the character designs and, like, the weird, like, the social weirdness. Like, what the hell is happening? But, like, yeah, so this is... The character design, the fucking, the design of the head Dover boy, the guy with the big jaw where he's so, 
like, abstractly designed that, like, when they have to have him talk, it looks weird? Because he's so... Yeah. It almost looks like a character that would have been designed today, where he's kind of, like, made of abstract shapes, whereas, like, it's so stylized, it almost breaks the animation. But, yeah, so it's the Dover... You, you talk... You, again, I've been talking... You talk. Oh, my God. You, you Hi, I like they stole the Disney narrator. Good old Pichu. Oh, is that the same... Is that the same guy? Because it's totally of the same... Oh, well, that's th- it, that is. It's not clear because he's uncredited, but everybody's like, "Yeah, I think it's that." I guy. didn't know because they did the PU joke in in the Goofy short, though, right? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's. I didn't even think about that, huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh my god. I also, hey, Bill is the uh, the, <laughs> the old guy who walks through the flame with the. Brup, 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 brup. Is that this generation's version of your gray man? She ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. And that is such a good prank joke. What she used to be. Uh huh. Still one of my all time favorites. The crazy old man singers. Mm-hmm. And that the audio design where it's all those that's offset enough to create that impression of a whole crowd of. And you can hear them feet shuffling. It's just so fucking... <laughs> anyway, but yeah. No, but it is kind of like... You know what? Oh, also, okay, I'm glad I turned on the sound a little bit for this, too. Jumping back a little bit. The music that's playing over the opening credits, I didn't realize it's the same melody, which is funny because I just rewatched this other thing because uh, it's the end of summer. It's the same melody for the song that they're singing at the end of Dirty Dancing at the uh, little uh, talent show. That every like that fucking Patrick oh. Swayze roadhouses his way into, and everyone breaks up. Hmm. Like, so I'm assuming that must be an old timey nostalgic from like the first half of the 20th century, kind of like, like nostalgic, like oh, do, 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 do. but yeah, um, they're but fucking yeah. So it's fucking Dover, Dover boys, they're on a fucking bike, but yeah, the, oh, they're, they're preceded by. Well, yeah. no, they're all on, they're all on their own bike. Oh, that's what it is. But the fucking head guy is on like a triple bike, but he rides it alone. Yeah. For, like, I don't know if that's uh-huh. a joke or a reference to something, but what the hell is this cartoon? I like they can't even look at the saloon as they ride by. Oh, yeah. Oh. Them. Gotta hold their hands to the side and be like, away, Falbies. Yeah. Um, oh, but before they go there, they pick up, what, Doralish Standpipe? What the hell's her name? Uh, Dora Standpipe. Yeah, she's, uh... Dora Stora Standpipe. Which... <laughs> Their fiance. They stop by her house. She comes. I out. like how they're all, they're all engaged. I to her. know. I think that's the joke. Is like I don't know what's the joke. It's just random. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's funny. I don't know. Yeah. What, what? Which part of it being funny is a bug or feature versus a feature? I have no idea. But like, yeah. So she comes out. And she's like got this thistle-shaped head. With like this huge hair with this tiny little hat on top, and when she runs downstairs to be picked up by the boys, her legs don't move. She's just like a flying fucking bowling pin, which mm-hmm. is I don't know, cause like I get that like so many of the jokes in this cartoon are based off of making fun of a literary thing, but like some of the graphic things, like the fact that she doesn't move right. Like, is that just they got bored and they thought it would be funny if she just her body doesn't move? And also when they put her on the bike. Like, we're gonna have her legs sticking out like it's broken? <laughs> like, it's the weirdest, like, I'm watching it now, like, she's riding in the front of the uh, the, the, the head Dover boy's bike, and she's just, like, the, the how she's drawn to be sitting on that bike, it just looks so, uh, it's just out of my fucking mind. 
Um, but so yeah, they go to the pub, and that's when they're like shielding their face away from well, like they, the, yeah the impropriety. Yeah, they ride past it. They no, that's what it is. Okay, but that's how we get because inside but... is Dan backsliding <laughs> his tiny little feet. His tiny little feet. His huge nose. He says "hark" in the smoke cloud that he's in. Says "hark" too for no <laughs> reason. And he's green for no reason. He's like he's like the villain in a Smurfs cartoon. Like he's like or like fucking Skeletor. He's just randomly a different color from everyone else because he's just that evil. Um, and the weird thing too, because the Dover boys are supposed to be at college, but this is just a random asshole who hates them. Like he's not like like yeah. he's not like a professor or another kid at the school or anything like that. He's just this local. No, shithead. he's actually twenty-two years old. <laughs> You know what? You know, actually watching it now, he looks like a little bit like he's he's a caricature of Walt Disney a little bit. With a little mustache mm. and everything like that. I don't know if that was intentional or if I'm just reading into it. Maybe. But yeah, so he takes this opportunity to start raving about how he's in love with Dora Standpipe. Mm-hmm. He's, and she, he, he hates those dope yeah, how much he Tom, hates... Dick, and Larry. They drive him to drink. <laughs> well, then, so the quietest thing he ever says in this cartoon is when he pulls out Dora Stampipe's picture and says how much he loves her, her yeah. dad's how money, I love her. father's money, and father's money, and then he puts her portrait up on the wall, like on top of some pinup of a muscle guy, which is a little weird. But mm-hmm. then, <laughs> then he yeah he launches into a monologue at the audience, screaming at the top of his lungs. Oh how I hate those Dover boys. I hate Dick. And he's and it's weird too cuz this is like the only time that I could ever remember where it's not Mel Blank putting on any kind of affectation or accent or anything like that. It's just Mel mm. Blank's normal voice but just screaming at the top of his lungs <laughs> the entire fucking time. It's so and again is that something that, like, where one of the villains in the Rover Boys books just screamed all the time? Or, like, I... It's so fucking... <laughs> Everything's in all caps. Yeah, but it's okay. Actually, this is, like, if you slow it down here, you get to see... Because he's he's zipping around and doing a whole kinds of crazy move, uh, movements in between poses. And that's where you get to see a lot of the smears that, I guess, got Chuck Jones temporarily fired from this cartoon. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, um, while researching this cartoon, I did find... <laughs> there was a John Crick Felucci blog where he did blog about this cartoon, and he did screen cap a whole lot of smears from this cartoon. And there was, thanks to one of the few good things John K's ever done for humanity, uh, is like, yeah, there's a whole bunch of screen caps of, uh, fucking what's his name, Dick Dastardly Whiplash or whatever the fuck, Dan Backslash. Dan Backslash. That's a simpler name than. Yeah, Dan's back. There's so many smears of Dan Backslide. Just looking like he's just. It looks like someone making fun. It looks like a modern meme drawing of weirdness. That's fucking. Mm-hmm. I love. Uh, fucking great. But yeah, he's been driven to drink. He goes drinks like 15 drinks at the bar. Um. God, what else happens? Uh, oh my god. Oh well, he confound them. Con. And then the guy goes by again. Oh, yeah, because he, he walks, Dan Backslide walks out the Found saloon. Them. And, like, even the post of Dan Backslide when he's at the saloon doors, he's got his feet crossed in such a kind of weird, specific way. I don't... This is fucking nuts. And the, all the dorks play hide-and-go-seek, like college students do. I want to... I need to make... If I can't find a gift for this, I'm going to have to make it. Of the head Dover boy, he's hiding beneath a manhole cover. 
And this is the mm-hmm. one time because his face was designed to be kind of like this abstract, kind of like very graphic facial design from the side. Because he's hiding in a manhole cover and he lifts his head and lifts the manhole cover, you can kind of see him from like a three quarters perspective looking down. And so they've had to take this like flat character design and kind of give it like this three dimensional thing where like because from a, from the side perspective he has this huge jaw. Now that you're kind of looking down at him from an angle, you really get to see how, like, inhuman his big bucket jaw is, and he's trying to talk, and he's got these big teeth, and it just looks like Mm -hmm. a crazy person made this shot. It's just like, what the hell am I looking at? This is just... He's he's an ancestor of Gary Busey. (laughs) Because he's got the... That totally is! Oh my god! You know, I was gonna... When I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is totally, like, was a Johnny Bravo, his his great-great-grandfather, but yeah, like... (laughs) I'd like to think that, like, yeah, he's the great great grandfather of both Johnny Bravo and Gary Busey, but yeah, because he should be on a horse, he should be talking like this. But yeah, no, that's Buffalo <laughs> Bill. <bro. laughs> what well, too? He had a lot of children. Is he a great big fat person? <laughs> now, Gary Busey, you got to get Gary Busey. Great you got to get make, you got to make your teeth as big as you can in your mouth yeah. in order to get Gary Busey going right. So. Fucking yeah. maneuver boys are just like they're playing hide and go seek for no absolute. They're playing hide and go yeah, seek they hide in... just to give an excuse for them to be doing something while the rest of the cartoon is about fucking Dan st- backslide and fucking Doris well, Beachman. It's an ex- it's excuse that they dive under the pool table in the, the saloon so Dan backslides can see them and say that oh yeah Doris Leachman is all alone. oh that's what it is yeah. And then he goes outside and steals a runabout. He says, a runabout. Which I... I'll steal it. No one will ever know. The fact that he screams. And again, <laughs> I don't know how much of that is making fun of the original books versus... Versus, like, what the... And again, you can totally... Yeah, you like, you were trying to demonstrate there. Like, you can totally hear Mel Blanc having to stand away from the, ca- from, from the microphone to keep from blowing it out as he's screaming at the top of his lungs. That must have been a great day to be working at the Warner Brothers studio where you could hear fucking Mel Blanc screaming this shit from two buildings away. Oh, my God. And I love he reaches into the, I... into the rumble seat of the, uh, the rumble, uh, the runabout and, uh, he pulls out a brown package, throws it over his head, and it's totally like, like an, an 1890s like automobile pilot's outfit. Mm-hmm. And like out of my way, I'm a motorist. <laughs> totally, yeah. You know, I wonder <laughs> with some of the Mr. Burns stuff. Nice driving, Mr. B. <laughs> they must have been subconsciously thinking about some of the Mr. Burns stuff, thinking about this cartoon because it's like, yeah, he mm. has to go like they make a meal of the fact that he has to go hand crank the car. And oh, the sound of the car when it's running is oh, it's just chef. <laughs> this goes on for a while because yeah, I I guess this being fifty years in the past, this would be like a nostalgic joke of itself. Just like oh, remember when we mm. had hand crank cars? <laughs> like at the beginning of uh, 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 Magnificent Ambersons when oh, uh, forgot fucking... about that. That's a whole. You know, it's funny because this is probably when what's his name? <laughs> when uh, uh, what's his name? Uh. Orson Welles is like, everybody has a boot horn in their house. And you're like, fuck what? Yeah, what you okay. You know what? I love this podcast just so we can say, remember in the Magnificent Ambersons. How many <laughs> podcasts get to, you get to hear that on? Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he finally gets the car going and he goes out and decides he's going to go grab a fucking what's-her-face pinball lady. Well, they they throw the and the old man shows up again. They throw him in at just the right time every time. It's just long enough for you to forget that motherfucker's gonna rip 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 into the shot. 
And he comes back, boom, there he is, and you're like, what the fuck? I had to Google it just to see if that was a reference to anything. I mean, mm -hmm. it's because, like, it's, it's, they're setting up the joke at the very end of the cartoon, but I'm like, is this also, like, it's something from the books or, like, something else that was happening in, like, pop culture in, like, 1942 when they made the cartoon? I'm like, nope. They just, this is them just seeding the <laughs> stupid just ending. Was funny. They just, like, it really is. <laughs> the fucking old gray mare dancers, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. God, so, yeah, but anyway, fucking Dan Backslide, he gets out into the road, and he finds out, like, fucking what's-her-face is, like, glued herself to a- Not even glued herself to a tree, but this is setting up, I guess, the fact that she's super strong, is that, like- She's counting, because still counting for the hide-and-seek. Oh, the hide-and-seek thing, yeah, and so, but he yeah. has to use two giant, like, fucking, uh, tire irons to get her off the fucking tree, half-destroying mm -hmm. the tree in the process- Oh my god. I love his character design where he's wearing that car pilot's outfit too, because he's got the goggles and. Oh my fucking god. Yeah. yeah. He takes her to the cabin, locks the door, and she bangs on it, shouting for help. And I appreciate that she can beat the fuck out of him, throwing him across the room <laughs> through furniture and everything, but she can't unlock the locks. I know! The padlocks. Well, the Not even padlocks. Sliding well, locks Well, she's on, on the, the inside of the door, and the, the, the lo it locks from the inside, so she could just unlock the door and leave. There's nothing mm -hmm. keeping her there, especially since she's just practically murdered the villain. And that's... <laughs> I do... I mean, this is one of the things that I'm kind of shocked. Like, I'm kind of bummed in retrospect that this is only just a one-off cartoon and didn't turn into a series. Because I would have loved to have seen them find new ways for Dan Backslide to pretend to be the villain of the comic. While the real villain <laughs> seems to be the girl and the three hero boys who are all horrible people. Like, he mm. just keeps on getting his ass kicked by everyone else in this cartoon. What I love is the fact that the way the Dover boys know that... She's gonna be out at the the, the home is because he actually drives her past the pub while they're hiding. Uh, they're still they're still doing the white uh, the hide and go seek thing, and he actually pulls. He actually she starts screaming for help, and he actually drives the car back so she could yell for help right into the, right into yeah. through the main doors of the of, of the saloon, and then he continues off driving out to the cabin. And so yeah, the mm -hmm. Dover boys show up after she has already practically murdered well, Dan Backslide. No, no, first. You're forgetting about the Boy Scout who oh. sees, who's who's watching through the window with a binocular Which, or a telescope. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming that's just a good, like that's not a reference to anything. Through that's just they just had to fill exactly. Time. <laughs> yeah, they're just like a dumb little plot device. You know. Mm -hmm. I like the way they come in in the Rule of Threes where he, what does he say? He says, "Oh, unhand her, Dan Backslide <laughs> to a moose on the wall." Then then he turns his brother, unhand her, Dan Backslide, and then finally to him, unhand her, Dan Backslide. And then they stand him up just because he's dead on the floor and just beat the fuck out of well, him some more. Well, the fucking lead guy, after they do that, like, unhand or Dan backslide, it's setting up a joke that he says, I think we're in mm -hmm. kind of a rut, which I guess is the mm -hmm. most pointed, like, criticism of the original books that this is all parroting. That, like, I guess mm. this is how each one of those books ended, where they would be show up and, like, unhand her, insert name here. And so, and then, even though, yeah, Dan, they're saying this to practically a corpse, the head guy decides he still needs to beat the shit out of Dan Backslide some more. And, like, so he does the thing where he, like, stamps on his foot, so kind of like almost like the rake joke with uh, Sideshow Bob, where, like, suddenly uh, Dan Backslide is up on his foot, uh, uh, standing up on his feet even though he's unconscious, and then all three Dover boys go to punch him at the same time, but they end up punching each other out. 
Yeah, the animation of, of Dan standing there kind of wobbly, <laughs> shaking. And it's the Christ. funny thing is everyone else in this cartoon is like superhuman strong, uh, especially like, yeah, all three of these characters. And he's the one person in this cartoon that feels like an actual human being because he's still just fucked up from both. Even before I, he just got the shit beat out of him by this new guy, he got beat up. Going, it's just going, going back when they're playing hide and seek. I do like that one of the Dover's boys voice is just, no, no, right here. That guy's great. <laughs> I don't know why they decided for that very voice. <laughs> I appreciate it. The whole cartoon is just... What is this? What are we watching? Like, yeah, that lets the tenor of the whole goddamn thing. So even the, though there's... The Dover boys all knock them each other out. So everybody's And I'm watching it now. Just and even then... their faces while they're quote-unquote knocked out. They're like staring at the uh -huh. wall. It's just really weird. Yeah. And then, and then the... The lady walks by with the the old man who's been walking through the entire theater. And the voiceover guy says, And now it's time to say goodbye. That's goodbye. And it ends. You don't need anything more than that. That's 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 how you end that cartoon. It's produced by Lane Schlesinger. Copyright, you know, fucking 1942, MXX VVVII. The fuck is wrong with that cartoon? That's I love it. It's Oh my god. It's the greatest short ever made. It is. And it's funny because even uh, among, among cartoon fans, it's like doesn't get talked about that much, but... Oh my god. What the hell? What the hell I recommend... That? I recommend staying away from YouTube where a bunch of, like, animators tried to reanimate I did it, like, watch the first half of that, yeah. Which... Yeah, because that's as far as you can make it into yeah, that. Yeah, there was, like, one or two people did stop motion animation and stuff like that, and there's some kind of clever couple Oh, no, bits, there's always going to be a couple of people With that, that many really, people involved, like, there's going to be a couple accidental in, good but... bits, but it's not that interesting, yeah. Um... No. And, like... You can't approve upon that cartoon. That cartoon is such a specific no. relic of its time. Like I said, something nothing to change something from like 80 years ago making something fun of 50 years before that. And it's just like, what the hell is this? Oh my god. I, it is, it's like if we made... There's no, there's no reason for it to be as funny as it's it is. It's like if we made a really batshit cartoon now about like the Kennedy assassination. And then 80 years from now someone <laughs> watched that cartoon and they're like... What the hell's happening? Like, what? <laughs> no, you're being... No, that's too specific, Bill. It's gotta be about a book. It's, no, yeah, not even... Like, like Doctor... Like, that some obscure book of. series from, like, 1960s that we have to make... Spend a seven-minute car seven cartoon making fun of. Yeah, and bury that cartoon for 80 years. And then let mm -hmm. people in the future try to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. That is the Dover Boys to us. Oh, my yeah. God. So, yeah, that is... I think just even the... And I feel, I feel like at the start of it, there's a joke where the camera's panning fast, pew, and there's just a bunch of dudes standing, like, yeah. posing by a fence. I'm assuming that's a joke, but... but it's not like know. it's never highlighted. It's just a thing that happens. Like, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's just a bunch of old-timey dudes with big mustaches which, hey, just posing. If you're gonna... With a joke, the best thing is to not belabor the point and just rush past it. So, A, if it's a good <laughs> joke, you just leave the audience wanting more. If it's a bad joke, then you no skin off your, your, off your nose. You just rush over it anyway no one's gonna care so yeah that is the proper way to do joke stuff is yeah be light and fun and breezy about it and that's pretty much the whole the whole looney tunes warner brothers mythos in a nutshell so god damn disney and warner brothers feel like they're in different universes they're, i cannot considering these like this stuff is happening at the same time as fucking pluto's golf game to think that fucking Dover Boys was being made at the same time they were making fucking Dumbo and Fantasia. If, mm -hmm. It really does feel like they're coming from different fucking planets. 
Like seriously, you t like you went to two different entire worlds with two, two, two entirely different species and described the idea of animation to them. And this is what they <laughs> this is what they came up with. And you're like, okay, these are both have their merits, but holy shit. Um, and it's not even like a cultural thing. I mean, these are both cartoons being made in Los Angeles in the 1940s, but God, you know, I think part of it too is like Disney because you know, you had Disney who was in charge of everything creatively. Like, he was a smart guy who had a lot of strong creative instincts, but he was just one guy. So everything kind of yeah. gets funneled into a very specific aesthetic and kind of sentimentality and everything like that. Or with, which is funny because we spent all day just talking about cartoons directed by one guy. But at least with the Looney Tunes stuff, there wasn't, you, you had multiple directors who all had their own very strong voices. And there wasn't one creative person overlooking them. Like, pretty much the creative mandate from Warner Brothers is... Get the cartoons done on time. Do whatever you want, as long as you don't piss off the censors. Or, I guess, don't use too many smears, because we'll fire Chuck Jones for an afternoon if he does that. But, like, but generally, though, the Looney Tunes guys were allowed to pretty much do whatever they wanted to. And so you just get more like, what the fuck is this? Like, insane shit, so. Yeah, if we, if we do another batch of Looney Tunes cartoons for, like, the 1950s stuff, like, later 1950s stuff, I'll have to... Yeah, get a broader uh, variety of, of oh, so directors. As long as we don't have to do like 1961 stuff. That's, yeah, no, there's. So that's when it starts to sag. That's well, that's that's that. Yeah, that's I don't. I'm trying to think of what what. I'm trying to think of what good cartoon stuff was. Well, that, the funny the other history was uh, of of today's episode too, because originally we were, we were looking at when I brought up the idea of looking at other animation stuff. We were both looking at, we were both, we both decided to look up the list of animated features from 1940s, the list on, on Wikipedia, and we were both looking at the mm. same time going, oh my god, this is fucking dire. Like, mm -hmm. we already kind of did the Fleischer Brothers with fucking, uh, not Jillian. Gabby. With fucking, uh, who's the big guy? Tall guy. We already talked about him. Gulliver. Gulliver. But like, I didn't, I didn't realize that like other people really didn't start coming out with their own animated features aside from like the Fleischer Brothers two failed attempts at features until like the fifties and sixties. So, and then once we saw there was no other features to really talk about in the nineteen forties, we're like, well, let's see, yeah, let's do Looney Tunes shorts. I mean, there was stuff in other countries. I mean, were, the, well, that's one of the things too, because I remember, yeah, like one of the most famous animation things is like, was it fucking Aladdin or something like that from like nineteen o two or something like that? Which mm. we should probably get around to. Cut. That's not. Is it Alibaba and the Forty Thieves or something like that? I, know, I might be confusing that because there's the Popeye cartoon that's Alibaba and the Forty Thieves too. Mm. Anyway, so but that's that's that that is a nice look to just see what's going on on the other side of the animation feds, at least in terms of Western, Los LA based animation in the 1940s. So between Disney and Warner Brothers. And... Thank you, Chuck Jones. You kind of lost your mind a little bit later in age, but this classic stuff is very very good. There's a reason why he was famous. Mm-hmm. Monkey pants. So what are we doing next? I don't think he I don't think he lost his mind. No. I think he just his style changed and it wasn't as good. And like I said, I think because also too he was no longer doing cartoon shorts, he was doing like features and stuff and yeah, he got more maudlin and kinda like I think that one place or whatever the I can never remember their name. Just the the minute our minimalist studio. Yeah, UPA, yeah. Yeah, I think they influenced a lot of places and not in a good well, way. Well, that's the other thing, too, because this is like the... Like, there's a reason why this is considered the golden age of animation. somebody said, oh, that's a lot cheaper to not do anything. Well, this is when both uh, the Disney and 
the company, like, and Warner Brothers, they were pouring a lot of their movie budgets into cartoons that were going to be shown theatrically with their big motion, with their big movies. And so they were willing to pour money into that stuff, whereas by the 1960s, well, that's one of the terrible things that the UPA did, because they were all into that limited animation stuff. They introduced mm. the idea of, because now, by the time the 50s rolled, or like the later 50s happened, um, television started kicking the shit out of movies, and the movie studio stopped uh, investing in doing theatrical shorts to be shown along with their movies, and so they started investing in, like, well, okay, we'll start doing cartoons directly for television, but we also start, start want to make these uh, cartoons cheaper, and because, yeah, UPA was instrumental, they kind of designed the idea of, like, they, they're the first ones to trailblaze in terms of, like, we're going to do the cheapest animation possible. Like, the standards of animation dropped precipitously, and... I mean, there were still some good cartoons made after that. You have all the Hanna-Barbera stuff, and the Flintstones, and... But it was definitely the whole era of, like, hand-drawn, each animation cell is its own individual drawing, and we're not just gonna, like, have the character stand around, and we're just, they're just gonna be animated from the next up, like, Scooby-Doo. Like, that in, that era kind of ends in the late 50s, as, yeah, as all the studios stop pouring money into theatrical features and start dedicating to, you know... I'm just repeating the same information over and over again, but... <laughs> but yeah, fine. no, there is, like, yeah, there's reasons why... This animation, Golden Age, couldn't last forever. But I'm glad to see that we are kind of in the middle in the middle of this. Even though we can kind of complain about Disney as much as we do, it's there's still good animation there. So, and at least Disney still continues to do good stuff. Now, maybe not consistently, especially after Walt dies. But at least into the 50s and 60s, they still had good animation. Whereas, like, yeah, we're once Warner Brothers stopped doing theatrical shorts, like they just kind of fell apart. And that's when you have like, yeah, Chuck Jones going off to do. Uh, fucking Tom and Jerry for TV and stuff. Chris Freeling goes off to do the Pink Panther. Blah, blah, blah. And then we get to start talking about Ralph Bakshi. Oh boy. Oh my god. It's a nice, it's nice though. We'll never have we'll to never do Ralph have to. We did. We might have to do our last episode, might have to be Wizards. Because mm. that's. Unless, of course, we that, watched that together yeah, in Meat Space and we almost wanted to kill each other. <laughs> Do we? Unless, of course, we did, like, maybe the God. Lord of the Rings one just to just marvel to at how like... much he messed Did he not up. realize everyone can tell you're just tracing this shit? Like, what? People... Not even tracing. Uh, some of that is just Xeroxed, yeah. red eyes on the orcs. It's like, this looks terrible, dude. Like, I know you didn't have much money, but there's a better way to use the, the $3 that you have. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Anyway, so yeah, but yeah, let me end on a good note. We did we have good cartoons this week. What are we talking about next week? Next week's we got more shorts and the Disney variety. We're gonna talk about Mickey and Seal. Oh no Pluto's Purchase Pluto's Purchase. What? Bone Bandit Mickey Down Under All in a nutshell and Winter Storage. Those last two cartoons, we already recorded that episode a couple weeks ago. Those last mm -hmm. two cartoons are Chippendale cartoons. They're fantastic. The first four be mm -hmm. before that are either Pluto or Mickey cartoons. They're all fucking terrible. There's a seal <laughs> who showed up. What? I didn't say, God, that's perfect. That's actually perfect. Like, I'm glad that we did the Looney Tunes stuff this week. Because that is the perfect of like, these are all so funny. And this is the Disney stuff. It's not funny. Oh, no.
Yeah. But it's still entertaining. Come back and listen to us because we definitely, you know. But oh my god. Oh, we did. The one that with uh, Donald's. Because at least the little Looney. Like, that's actually perfect because like we just talked about Feed the Kitty. And they had that cute little cat. And at mm-hmm. least they didn't try to like. Whereas like Disney there. In next week's episode, you'll see, like, they try to turn this baby seal into a character. And this cute little baby seal, but the baby seal doesn't have any personality. And the characters he's interacting with, like, fucking Mickey have no personality, so you just get a a blob of a cartoon. At least with Feed the Kitty. The kitty's got a personality because it's so oblivious and so hyper-cute. And then fucking Mark Anthony is so, like, like, it's so good, but, like, yeah, fuck, anyway. Anyway. Basic storytelling and anyway. characterization issue. But... Hey, Looney Tunes is still hilarious. Who yes. knew? Yeah, I hope the big we shocker. Did. We yeah. did. We knew. This is yeah, a little bit of an indulgence. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I don't say we're kind of breaking tired of the party rules because we've obviously seen these cartoons before. But uh, again, watching mm-hmm. it. Yeah, this has been the first time in like a long time I've seen most of these. But yeah, just wor- well, go watch the Dover Boys at least. I'll have to see if Dover Boys is on HBO Max. But uh, it, I think it fell in. It is. I think it also. Don't tell me that's. Oh. Is it no, in public I, access? I, was say it, I think it. <laughs> public access. Public. Yes. I think it fell into public domain. Dover Boys. If it is, then that's the only cartoon you ever need to see for the rest of your life. Oh yeah, yeah no, it's it's in, in quote unquote ultra 4K. On. Quote unquote, yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's a pretty good. There's a, a watermark on it on YouTube, but the whole thing's up there. Yeah, uh, on. 8th man DVD cut doc oh the fuck whatever but it's on YouTube ah uh, that guy puts out uh, that has somebody with a toddler that guy has put up so many Dover... compilation animation the Dover boys were on An- Animaniacs that's like one of Apparently, the car- that's yeah. one of the shorts right below what yeah that really is just the Do- I don't that, remember that, it Dover boys must have fallen into yeah into public whatever because they mean. couldn't well Animaniacs is still Warner Brothers oh I didn't even think about that part Oh yeah, Slappy the sexy squirrel. The sexy is squirrel. Sexy? Bill- I thought everyone there. was. <laughs> that should show a little bit too much on my ass. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah. Oh, I'm glad to see it. there's this. The Dover Boys seem to get their own share of love on this, on YouTube. I'm glad to see that. Okay. Yeah, the fact that it's public domain kind of helps with that too. Oh yeah, the, so the, uh, there's a whole cartoon hosted by a furry called Simmy Speaks that talks about the smear frames and the Dover Boys too. So. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, I got uh, nothing else. Billy. I'm sorry, I'm just watching else? some more footage of the Dover Boys now. I'm just a laughing. Okay, I gotta stop watching the Dover That's Boys, fine. and we gotta end this podcast. Okay. He's muttering on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Target podcast on Twitter. Target podcast on Instagram. Whatever. Get us going. We talked a lot longer than I thought we were. Yeah, going two to hours now. That. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. It shows how much more we like Looney Tunes than we do. Yeah, with Disney some shorts. of the Disney shorts, we're talking about six cartoons, sometimes we barely get over an hour on that. But, you know. Anyway. Yeah, so, uh, we're going to get the hell out of here. Yeah. We'll come back next week with seals and Pluto. Hop into the but... distance and stuff. All right. So, until next time, if you feel your old spot culture or whatever the hell you got, you go, so long. Tuesday, who's the mysterious woman Tony's giving money to? Angela won't be satisfied until she finds out on Who's the Boss? One of my growing pains. Wednesday morning at 10 Eastern, join Joan London and Ben Vereen for Walt Disney's very Merry Christmas Parade. And now stay tuned for the Ewoks and Droids Adventure Hour next.
Fire, note to action number 1171. Putty back trouble, part six, take one.